Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode is back on track as we're returning to the tracks of Mario Kart 8, or, well, I guess visiting the new tracks of Mario Kart 8 as the first DLC is out and we'll have impressions later in the show. We're also going to be talking about the Pikmin short movies as well as a whole slew of news. There's actually kind of a lot these past few weeks. Like, going into it, it seems like to be kind of quiet, but we have a full Nintendo Direct. We have Nintendo's Investor Q&A, some interesting stuff about Amiibo and Quality of Life platformer in there. We have Jason Sales Corner, and we have those impressions of Cart and Pikmin. So that's all coming up. As always, the easiest way to do it is timestamps over at randomtown.com under this episode, which again is episode 84. I don't know why I did that all dramatically. So with that said... So is next week or is it this week? The three-year anniversary? It's our na- It's in between. Which, thank you for the reminder. For those of you who only listened to the first 10 seconds of the show and, and turn, turn it off, well, you're after 10 seconds, so you're not listening. For those of you that listened to the first three minutes of the show and then turn it off, definitely tune in next episode as we're doing our three-year anniversary contest. And it's going to be cool. And you're going to want to enter, so keep it locked around Nintendo for real, more so than usual. Because we will have a contest in our Smash Bros. episode, which will be at the tail end of November. Because our, our anniversary is the weekend with Smash Bros. coming out. So, oh. so yeah. But yeah, for this episode, the big news story was probably the Nintendo Direct that just happened. Kind of out of nowhere. Um, I already forgot it happened. Yeah, it was, like, it was about a week ago. It was the first traditional Nintendo Direct we've had in a while, where it's just Iwata standing in front of a white screen and talking to us and doing his little direct hand gesture. Uh, and it, I mean, I, I, it wasn't the biggest blowout of Nintendo Direct that we've seen. There's a lot of uh, focus on the first part of 2015, some of the stuff, updates on, you know, some of that stuff that's coming out that we heard about at E3, and then there's some stuff about the holidays that we're not going to really rehash because it's happening in the next, like, few weeks. But what they did say that was a surprise was an entirely new game, sort of, and that's The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 3D, which, yes, is now a real thing. Fans, please, have been answered. They are making... A full-fledged remake, Ocarina of Time 3D style of Majora's Mask. So, um, apparently the game's actually been in development since Ocarina was finished. So that's over two years, which is a long time for a remake. I mean, you could kind of see it. Like, the graphics in the trailer looked really good for 3DS. I, I guess it's noticeable. It looks the same as Ocarina, but it's a yeah, but noticeable it, step up. Ocarina, like, it looks yeah. like... I mean, yeah, everything was made from scratch. Everything was, like, redone completely. So, it, it's not just a regular port. Yeah. So you can see that. Definitely, and it's uh, we don't know a whole lot about it. I mean, during the announcement... Well, it, you played the game, you know exactly. No, 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 I mean about new stuff, new stuff. Oh. We don't know, like, what's different, if it's a straight-up remake or not. I mean, during the announcement, they said they're making some changes, and Anuma did an interview with Famitsu shortly thereafter, E.G. Anuma being the producer of the Zelda series. So there's some, like, bits and pieces we could piece together. Um, the big one is that they're going to be improving and enhancing the game in numerous ways, they claim, just like Ocarina. In fact, just like Ocarina, the uh, gyro aiming's back. Yay. The, uh, there's going to be some touch control stuff brought in from A Link Between Worlds. Like, you know, improvements they learned through, like, how to navigate menus and whatnot in A Link Between Worlds will now be in this one, opposed to the Ocarina touchscreen. And uh, beyond that, there's the only real core gameplay changes they've talked about are... Uh, there's going to be a big new boss battle of some sort. They're completely replacing a boss battle. And they're bringing in two spots for fishing. Well, so that doesn't sound that exciting. It's not that exciting. One thing they're doing that's kind of interesting that's super vague, which is why I'm saving it for the end here, is that uh, they're also going to be adjusting the game so people who... The original Majora's Mask was made for people who have played Ocarina of Time and just can pick it up from there and keep going. Almost like an expansion. This time they want to be able to appeal to people who may not have played Ocarina. So, as a result, what they're going to be doing, apparently, is adjusting how certain conversations play out. They're going to be adjusting how many times you have to repeat the same task to figure out what you have to do, you know, over the course of the three-day cycle. They're going to be streamlining, tweaking things, just making it a little more 
pick up and play friendly towards newer players. Hopefully that doesn't mean... They're saying it's still going to be difficult. So hopefully that doesn't mean they're actually, you know, changing things for the worse in terms of how it unfolds. But it seems like they're just cleaning it up a bit. Kind of like, I guess, how they did the Water Temple in 3D. Ocarina of Time 3D, where they cleaned it up a bit. It's Well, I couldn't really tell much of a difference. Maybe... Well, they claimed there was some difference. Maybe the lines were more profound. I mean, honestly, the Water Temple isn't even that bad. You just have to keep an extra eye on your map more than any other temple but right that, that's about it right oh and by the way if anyone hears some background music in this episode jose's neighbors are having a party so and we weren't invited. and we weren't invited so we're podcasting over them so apologies if you ha- hear a thumping bass line or some guitars or anything like that I'm just add like some it. it adds some flavor to the episode uh <laughs> now there is i actually forget one thing majora's mask is definitely adding which is kind of interesting and that's support for the new 3ds not entirely sure what it's going to entail, but Anuma teased that there will be some sort of new 3DS enhancement. My guess is it may be um, the C-Stick. You know, the C-Stick knob might work in lieu of a gyro if you prefer to have a stick. Alternatively, it could be an enhanced frame rate because there's a well, more powerful system. I mean, it could also just work as a camera. It doesn't really have to replace the gyro. It could still work with the gyro. Oh, yeah, or as the camera, right. Either yeah. yeah, either way though. Or maybe Mieber support. Maybe this game uses all the RAM too, and it yeah, properly possibly. So there's all sorts of things they could do, but he's just teasing that there'll be something there they will announce down the road. And honestly, I would not be surprised if Majora's Mask 3D is a launch tile for the new 3DS in, in uh, America and Europe. Seems like yeah. it fit the bill, and there's no other real major 3DS games coming out along, you know, in that time frame. So it's possible. He did also tease a little detour here. He did also tease that uh, Zelda for Wii U is coming along nicely. Graphics are better than they looked at E3, and they'll have more to show at E3 2015. So mark your calendar for next June. That That's happening at some point. Um, but yeah, about back to Majora's Mask. Uh, it's only, as of now, scheduled for spring, which fits the new 3DS uh, timeline nicely. But Nintendo of Europe UK's mobile website listed it as February 15th, which would be the same week that Kirby and the Rainbow Curse is now coming out. And Nintendo does like to double stack their uh, releases now, or if you look at this coming Friday, quadruple stack it. You got both Pokemon, Smash Bros., Amiibo... GameCube controllers, GameCube adapters, just like a ton that day. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Majora in February. And that would be a good time to launch the new 3DS, so you never know. Um, the other game that they talked about in the Nintendo Direct is coming out this spring, which isn't quite the same caliber because it's a new franchise, is Codename Steam. Which, for those who may not remember, this is that third-person shooter strategy hybrid game that Intelligent Systems is making. They're the guys behind Advanced Wars and Fire Emblem, so they know their stuff. And uh, back at E3... They showed it off a little, and we covered it then, but there hasn't really been any news since then. So, just as a refresher, it's a turn-based fighting, or it's a turn-based game, but it's behind the back, third-person shooter. The twist is that uh, the battle system lets you strike even during your opponent's turn. If you build up enough steam, you can do that. exactly like Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah, for the it's basically Nintendo's answer to that, or XCOM, or one of those sorts of games. Yeah. yeah. Which, and, are, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is, and it's cool that they're branching out. And the thing, yeah, and this one's like Steam powers everything, so every move you do, every weapon you fire, every time you do this Overwatch thing where you play in the other person's turn, that all uses Steam. And you're juggling four different characters at once. There's no map, you just use what they see as your map, and you go between them, and that sort of thing. So, it's, uh, it's, it's it looks kind of cool. Um, it's... Full Steam ahead. Yeah, it's, um... It's interesting because all they're revealing so far is a few of the playable characters, and I... First of all, the game's kind of wacky. There's no doubt about that. Like, the two characters at E3 were Abe Lincoln 
and I believe who was the second one? There was a second one. Was it the line from Wizard of Oz? Basically, the game's comprised. Your whole team is from Nintendo Direct. No, no, no. From E3, they revealed two out of four. Oh no, it was Tiger Lily. No. Okay. Well, here's what they revealed. In the direct, they revealed three characters. The the no, they said they revealed two and two were already known. But I only knew a blinking. Oh, the 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 main guy with the eagle attack. That was the other already known one. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know who he is, but the the supporting cast. Maybe not your main character. Tom Sawyer. Yeah, Tom Sawyer, Tiger Lily, the uh, the lion from Wizard of Oz, and Abe Lincoln. Because of course, Abe Lincoln. (laughs) But uh, it's kind yeah. It's interesting that they're doing this whole like famous figure, historical figure, fictional figure tie-in they're using like you know um public domain characters to build their game out with which is an interesting approach hmm. but so i mean the thing was with this is oh and of course each of them has their own weaponry and their own personality and they're all unique and you could pick your four that you want to use in battle and etc etc but uh the thing about this is when nintendo first showed at e3 at least to me it looked kind of i don't want to say janky but i wasn't that impressed like i was like oh cool intelligence systems i'm interested just because it's intelligence systems advanced wars is great fire emblem's great most paper marios are great um, but when I saw screenshots, it looked kind of messy. Like, I couldn't really distinguish what was going on. Like, everything just kind of was, like, blurs of cell-shaded polygons everywhere. In motion, and with this, like, I presumably enhanced graphics, actually looks pretty good now. Like, I was surprised at how good it looked, and just the wackiness of it, and the, uh, the gameplay looks really fun now. So I'm, I've come around. I, just need, I guess I just needed to see the direct footage, because I don't think they showed... They had a trailer during E3, but I feel like it was really muddy. Like, everything was just brown on brown, and now it's very vibrant, and things pop, and it's really well, clear what's Nintendo's what. Nintendo's always behind. I mean, there are other... I guess what was current gen consoles kind of went through their brown and gray phase. That's true. Yeah. But, so yeah, so it's nice that this is, um... It's nice that this is actually... You can see what's going on now. It also helps that it's not on a grid. Because, like, when they first described it, it's like, oh yeah, you have these characters that's behind the back, but it's grid-based, in theory... So I was like, oh, so you're kind of, it's just like Advance Wars, but you're looking from the shoulder's shoulder, or from the soldier's shoulder instead of, you know, from top down. But it looks like it is kind of free range. There's a grid in the sense that the level has, like, tiles on it, and there's a structure to it, but you can kind of move freely within it until you're out of steam. So that that's a nice plus, I guess. But we don't really know a ton about it besides it's coming out in spring. I mean, well, you were never huge on, like, Fire, Fire Emblem or Advance Wars, were you? Mm, no. So does this strike your interest because it's a little more actiony and a little more shootery, or are you still even like a no? Little bit. Not even a little bit. Not really. No. Hmm. If anything, Fire Emblem appeals looks more appealing. But does this just look too generic to you? Because it's like yeah, that's kind of it. It's basically like Elite B Agents art style with random eighteen hundred yeah, figures. I, I think that's a good way of saying it. Just feels too generic. Even like the characters just feel generic even if they're like well they literally like, are <laughs> yeah i don't know just uh. yeah the whole thing to me it's like it's clear nintendo's trying to get a market or a different a demographic like that could previously have been a lot better if maybe they had chosen a different theme sure than whatever it is that they're going with aliens yeah it, it feels like aliens invading the late 1800s i don't know yeah. it, it feels like that over the top craziness that it's just so over the top that it doesn't even feel that crazy it just feels like it's been done before I don't know. I think I get the feeling they're trying really, really it's hard like, to oh, appeal to. Oh, look how weird we are. Like, right. Oh, it's American, real people. Oh, there's also aliens. I mean... Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's all just, steampunk. To yeah, talk like, about. I mean, it could be a great game. I don't know. I guess it just didn't really sync with me. Yeah, the whole thing to me, at least, that kind of struck me as odd about is like, they are so clearly going, how do we get Western gamers to buy strategy games? Well, let's slap some America on it. 
and like make it a shooter and then they'll be interested like there's nothing wrong with that per se like i said i'm actually really like before i was like whatever and now i'm actually pretty interested in it but it's just kind of like it's kind of blatant what they're doing it's like oh well fire emblem medieval and that did okay advanced wars is kind of cartoon warfare so western gamers who like mature stuff won't do it but this one it has their historical figures it has their their flag steampunk (laughs) britain what can they not like so yeah it's like built by a focus group but i I mean yeah it yeah it's that's not to say it's not gonna be good and for all we know the story will make a lot more sense going forward right now it's just kind of like a weird slap together thing but i'm definitely intrigued definitely intrigued um Switching to Wii U, here's a game that might be more up your eye. You like Canvas Curse, right? When I love it came Canvas out, Curse. well, Kirby, uh, Kirby's Wii U Canvas Curse sequel now has a fine. Here's okay. First, here's what I don't understand. In the director, like the now final name of Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, that was its name at E3. Yeah, but it always had the words tentative title at the end. Oh, I guess. Okay, yeah. Well, now it's official. No, we couldn't come up with anything better, so we're, we're just sticking with it. It was a good name. It made sense. Canvas yeah. Curse, Rainbow Curse. What's the? I guess they're debating like should we do a clay pun. Like, maybe they're, maybe like, they Kirby the and, the, Rainbow, and the Curse of the Kelm. Kirby yeah, they were the... afraid it wasn't, like, hardcore enough that, like, older people were like, like, oh, it has the word rainbow in it. That's too kitty. It also has a and giant like... pink blob that's smiling at you on the cover. So if they are worried about the name, maybe they should be... Oh, well, no, they might have angry eyebrow Kirby. I mean, the whole, like, looking kitty thing isn't going to help when you have Yoshi the Bully World and Kirby coming Come, out. Yeah, Kirby's way before it. Yoshi, oddly, was missing from this direct. Completely. It was originally an early 2015 title. It's not there whatsoever. I mean, it has a level in Smash Bros. that are kind of tying it in that way, but it was supposed to be out by the first half, and they didn't touch it at all, so I wonder I wonder if it got delayed. I mean, even Xenoblade was in this direct, and that's not coming out till the end of the year, so where, where's Yoshi at? Hmm. I, mean, I take that back. They mentioned it briefly. They said uh, Amiibos will work with Yoshi Roy World, and it's like, can we see Yoshi hmm. Roy World at all, maybe? <laughs> but, but back to Kirby. So Kirby is coming out soon, February 13th here in the U.S., and uh, as shown at E3, it's a lot like Canvas Curse, just on the Wii U and with some clay. So you control it entirely with the gamepad using the stylus. You're guiding Kirby around by drawing lines for him. Anyone has played Canvas Curse knows how it works. The new wrinkle in it that they revealed in the Direct, which is kind of cool and also... Because that kinda... loop-de-loops don't seem to give you speed boost Yes, anymore. I noticed that. I wasn't going to make a comment about that, but why is it so slow-looking? Yeah, but... Everything looks so slow. Well, that's because, like... Kirby did move slow in Kirby's Canvas Curse if you just drew the line and let him go on his own. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, I know like most of us would just tap Kirby the whole time because that would like give him yeah. a little dash. Or you do the spin and then like, yeah, you keep do, spinning you him do, to yeah, launch you, him. you do a loop-de-loop and yeah, he'll like speed up only during the loop-de-loop and get like a little jump. But then you could just tap him during the jump to speed up. Yeah, but but, no, game, but they did, but they didn't tap him at all. They showed him having a little momentum at one point when he was ducking under an enemy or something. But yeah, he was moving slow. Like I was watching like. Is, is he slow because he's clay? Is he sticking? Like, what? what is? Why? Because I did notice that, and I thought it was just, I thought it was me, but... No, it's definitely slow. Yeah, it's... But if you ignore that, the thing they changed primarily, and the claymation is, uh... Or claymated... Pseudo-claymation, is multiplayer. The Waddle Dees move at a normal pace. <laughs> Not Kirby, though. But yeah, so what they're doing now is there's one player on the game Traditional Kirby game, or... Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's actually kind of a hybrid now, because you can either play Canvas Curse style on the gamepad as Kirby, or it can be one of up to three Waddle Dees that join in using the Wii Remote, and it's kind of like a traditional Kirby. They can even transform like Kirby now. So when Kirby transforms into whatever, which has the most like adorable little clay, made, clay animation of him turning into things, like pieces coming off and ripping off and putting on, uh, everyone gets the power. So... I guess that explains why it's on the Wii U. You get a power. You get a power, and you get a power, and you get a power, and that's it. Three people. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so with with the Wildies, you're not just, like, you're not, in theory, you're not just kind of following Curry's trail. You can kind of change up how you play. So either um, 
the Wildies can go and get items and stuff, and Kirby can just beeline through enemies, or the Wildies can actually pick up Kirby, and it almost becomes like New Super Mario Brothers, where the person on the gamepad is just manipulating the environment. They could draw lines to block enemies, or to, you know, block fire from hitting them, and that sort of thing. It's the game you make it. It Yeah, exactly. Just like clay, you make it what you want it to be. So, um, I mean, okay, so I guess the real question becomes, now, was this made for Wii U? Because they wanted to do multiplayer? Or did they do multiplayer because they're like, oh, wait, this is on Wii U. Like, I feel like Rainbow Curse, originally when they first announced it, was like, this should be a 3DS game. Camera's Curse is a 3DS game. It seems weird. If you're focusing primarily as single player on the gamepad, it makes more sense as a mobile experience. They also only really show one screen at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes sense that the Wildies would have to have the screen mirrored on the TV now, now that there's multiplayer. But originally, I was like, oh, maybe they just wanted HD clay, and they needed to beef up the library. I feel like it just didn't, I don't know, look as good for them. Yeah. yeah. It probably makes it down just... It could just be that simple. I mean, they probably want to beef up the Wii U library as well. 3DS is doing okay. Wii U could use extra games. But, so, yeah, it's kind of like a chicken and the egg thing, like, or chicken or the egg thing. Like, did the multiplayer make the Wii U version, or did the Wii U version lead to the idea of the multiplayer? We'll never know. But, uh... You know, multiplayer could also work pretty well on the 3DS. But they don't everyone, do the sort of... everyone has a, their own screen. Yeah, but they don't do the co-op side-scrolling stuff on 3DS. The one exception being Donkey Kong... Uh, country Returns. Mark and that's because that was a Wii. Oh, well, true. 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 But, but they don't have the whole, like, communal around the couch, around the TV vibe. Yeah. But, um, the one nice thing is, even if this does feel like a mobile game, it's kind of going to be priced like a mobile game, it seems. Because, mobile game. 3DS game. Because, uh, in Japan, they're going to be selling Kirby and the Rainbow Curse for the same price as Captain Toad, which here in the US is only going to be $40, not 60 So, presumably, that means that Kirby and Rainbow Curse come February 13th will also only be $40, which is super smart. Okay. Instead of just having AAA tiles the whole time, Nintendo could have different, you know, AAA, AA, big A tier, B tier. Different batteries? At different, what? Different batteries? Different batteries. AA, AAA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll just become Duracell and Energizer and sell batteries. No, but in terms of just, like, they could appear, they can have stuff for every tier, and they could beef up their library that way. Because if it takes, you know, if they're selling the game for less, it obviously means it make, took less to make, which means fewer people. So they could have a handful of people doing project, you know, the next Zelda, and then have a smaller team, maybe a second party working on this, and that's two games instead of one. Versus if they wanted to do AAA for everything. So it's, it's a pretty smart approach. Hmm. Um, and plus, it saves us money. And we get more games. That is kinda which right. means we lose money, because we're getting more games that we normally get. <laughs> but... That's an easy way for them to milk money out of us, I guess. Um, the other major Wii U game, this one's arguably the bigger of the two, is coming in the first half of 2015, and that is Splatoon. And by first half, I actually mean second quarter, so sometime between April and June. My guess is either last week of May, a la Mario Kart, or third week of June, a la every other console game in time of releases that start summer. But yeah, Splatoon um, still looks pretty good. Looks about the same as it did. The big thing they revealed in the Direct is... Single player is a thing. They said at E3, yeah, 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 we'll have single player. It'll be, it'll be fine. Yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Single player. Yep, yeah, it doesn't look as tech on as... Not at all. I thought it was going to be super As they made on. it sound, I guess? It's a full-fledged single player mode. Like, if you watch the footage, you're like, there are corridors you're going through that are more like, in, you know, not like a map, but like a level. There's, like, platforming you're doing using the jump ability. There's obstacles you're dodging. There's pre-placed enemies, not just another squad coming at you. There's, like, paints... There's other NPCs. There's other NPCs. There's, like, paint mechanics that aren't just, like... I mean, you're still trying to cover it in your paint, but there's stuff like paint geysers and, like, a giant fan that spreads paint. Like, there's different ways you're spreading paint beyond just battling. There's looks to be puzzles. There's a 2D platforming section. 
Like, it looks to be a full-fledged single-player game. Which is kind of cool, because, like, originally Nintendo Pitch just says, hey, this is like our Team Fortress 2, so multiplayer. And then people are like, what about single-player? And they're like, oh, right. Single-player, yeah. But now it's like, there's actually legit single-player that looks on par with what you'd expect from a Nintendo single-player. So that that was a pleasant surprise. Because, like you said, I was worried it was just going to be straight up, uh, straight up maps with computer-controlled characters, and that's it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I would have been okay if it was just multiplayer, because then it would have just put them... I don't know, it would have kind of showed, like, oh, that's just how much emphasis we have on this game, or how much confidence we have in the multiplayer. Kind of like Team Fortress, there's no I, campaign. Yeah, but... But, yeah. I mean, I, if they put this much effort into the single player, that's nice, too. I mean, it just gives you something else to do. And I think they kind of still managed to show that they do have multiplayer as the main focus, because Nintendo has never... As far as I know, Nintendo's never debuted a game, like a whole new game like this, not like a new Mario Kart where it's basically saying like a fully new game and be like, here's the multiplayer, don't ask us about single player. Here's the multiplayer. Like, they never put multiplayer first. Like, I mean, you remember the E3 stream, Treehouse Live, where it was like, they did like three hours of Splatoon multiplayer a day. Yeah. Like, they're really pushing it hard as like their new shooter and everything, so I feel like even with single player, they're still going to market it as a multiplayer online shooter. It is their Team Fortress too, just without bullets and with paint yeah or i guess i guess the better way of saying it is it's their, or not the better way but the alternate way of saying it is it's their um oh what's the new game blizzard announced their team fortress uh, uh, outworld I, outland outbound outbad i don't remember but I know outcast I in and out burger out and in burger yeah that whatever it is um yeah nintendo's now in, entering that same ring that blizzard's entering and valve is securely held for quite a long time um, so yeah, I guess that's Splatoon. It, it's, I kind of wish they showed more in the Direct. I'm really interested in this game. And uh, first of all, the music in single-player's trailer isn't quite as catchy as the multiplayer and doesn't have quite as many what sounds like dolphins. But the single-player does, on the flip side, have octopus enemies that look like the emo kids from South Park. So it's kind of a fair balance. <laughs> yeah, were they called Octobads? Uh, I don't think they named them. I think they just called them Octopi Enemies. Hmm. Huh. Or octopus this is Octopi. But don't they totally look like the emo kids in South Park? Like, they have the one hair tentacle wisp thing and everything. But it looks like a generic emo Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I guess South Park just looks jumped in my mind. But yeah, they're super emo. Yeah. Emo octopus. E- emo octopus. E- emo pus. I don't know. Yeah. Let's move on to Xenoblade, shall we? <laughs> this is getting weird. Uh, so... Xenoblade Chronicles X. That offhand comment of his, you'll Who's? be finding naked enemies or something like that. He said naked enemies. I did not catch yeah. that. You'll be finding naked enemies. He, I don't know why. No wonder they're emo. They're being forced to be naked and then they hate themselves. Xenoblade. Oh, Xenoblade. Sorry, I thought you said. I thought you were talking about. Sp- no, he said like you're gonna be exploring this like this world, fighting like a bunch of like enemies and naked enemies. I don't know. <laughs> I think you misheard him. I think no, no, he definitely said no. A lot of people caught it. He, well, so like, like maybe he. Meant it's a like, reference to Shulk's boxer outfit, and maybe Wars. he meant like, all right, so these animals that you're fighting in the wild. I mean, I guess they're already naked, but I guess he felt the need to say it. <laughs> so basically, Nintendo decided not to clothe wild beasts. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> but that's really weird. He really said naked. Yeah, he said naked. What? Really? Yeah, he did. Let's just grind the podcast to the hall and let me ask like five more times. <laughs> really? Yep, he did. Alright, I believe you. You don't need to look it up. I see you going for your phone. Uh, <laughs> you brought the phone Alright, fine. Find it. Find it while I talk about it. Or while I update the fine listeners on what they announced. So Xenoblade Chronicles X is... Uh, they're still targeting 2015. Who knows if they're actually going to hit it. 
But they did give a brief look at kind of how things are progressing in the direct, and we now know the game is set here in L.A., sort of. Basically, the plot is humankind, or whatever race these people are, have to leave their planet, Earth presumably due to whatever reasons, and they go to this new planet, and they want to see if this is a good home for the rest of humanity. So they build new Los Angeles, which looks nothing like old Los Angeles. I can tell you as a Los Angelino that they look nothing alike. And uh, use that as a hub, and you basically, New Los Angeles is where you live, and where you get your missions and everything, and then you kind of branch out and do stuff around the world, such as fighting naked enemies and <laughs> fighting wild beasts. I thought it was interesting that the first thing they emphasized was that you hunt beasts, as in, like, Monster Hunter. They didn't say Monster Hunter, but it can't be a coincidence that they did that, and then, like, two minutes later, the Monster Hunter 4 thing. Like uh, that, that monster, monster, they're like, oh, here's something I bet you've never seen before, but I've seen that trailer. Oh, like, the Mario and Luigi yeah, costumes. Like, yeah, they never debuted it in the West I know, before. But still, yeah. like you can't say they never the, if they know yeah. the internet exists. Or maybe they like to think the internet's region locked, like their systems. Oh, sick burn at Nintendo region locked. Which, by the way, they might be getting rid of region lock if consumers demand him enough. Iwata said that during a uh, during the investor Q and A, which we'll get to later. But no, uh, so Xenoblade, you're doing a lot of different stuff. Like I said, uh, different missions, hunting beasts, finding items, etc., etc. And as you go about exploring, we now know that the gamepad is going to be a multifunctional device, but one of its key things will be a navigation system. Because the world of Xenoblade Chronicles X is bigger than the already massive world that was Xenoblade Chronicles. So, makes sense that the gamepad would just be a map. It was interesting that on the gamepad, if you watch when they bring it up on the direct, like when they show it on screen, there's a keyboard on that game ca- gamepad. And this is a game that previously showed what looked like chat logs. So it seems like online is in. And Monolith Soft, the guys developing it, have been kind of teasing that fact because they um, they posted on their official blog, this is a translated quote, Huh? Online elements? Of course the game will have some. So I don't know if it's going to be like you team up with people Monster Hunter style and do kind of like a local little, you know, like a mini expedition or if there's going to be an MMO and they're just hiding that fact. That sounds a little extreme and unlikely, but either way, it has a pretty. It seems to have a pretty big online element that would probably involve teaming up and doing stuff because you have because you have a keyboard to communicate. So yeah, I remember people. That's a cool twist. Yeah, they had the chat dialogue in the original. Yeah, yeah, and now and now the keyboard's here. and Now they're teasing it. So something. They uh, beyond that, we don't really know a whole lot though. I mean, Microsoft has been teasing stuff but not saying much. They opened a website themselves for the game and basically said, "Yeah, yeah, it's nearing completion." Yep. <laughs> that's all they said so but presumably they'll be sharing a lot more information soon it's aiming Nintendo's aiming to have it out in Japan possibly as soon as spring here in the US it's just and Europe presumably it's just 2015 but in Japan it could be within the next few months I realized it was going to be really hard to find a video clip in silence yeah so I mean I just found someone on New Guy for referencing it don't worry I'm sure the naked creatures will get to that soon naked creatures what could he have possibly been trying yeah, to say naked creatures what could he have been trying to say <laughs> 40 and slip I guess <laughs> but uh wow that that's interesting naked creatures <laughs> well they are that is factual you do did you notice in the trailer there's one part where he's like running through people's backyards oh like, yeah that yeah, looked that like, looked like it could be los new los angeles he's, like, parkouring through like people yeah through people's backyards yeah, yeah. i was really i was really curious about that like what is what because the rest of the game looks so like okay. futuristic slash like old time like it has like an interesting combination of architecture and everything and then out of nowhere, there's just this dude running through people's backyards that could have easily been like the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> like, it's just, it's very out of place. So are you, are you going to get this? I mean, you have these originals, you know, right? Uh, most likely. It does seem like, I'm, this might be the one I jump in on, honestly. 
Because, like, the first one, I think it was just weird timing when it came out and everything. But this, like, Nintendo's putting a lot of effort behind it. I mean, they just redid the logo again. Did you notice the new logo in the Direct? Yeah. It used to be a red splash of paint for X. Now it's a slick blue line. Because now it's solid. Because now it's solid. Because it's under... It's almost done with development. It's in the final stages, whatever that means. Yep. So... Oh, like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it. But on my... I don't know, it's hard for me to look forward to games right now. Like Because Smash Bros. is yeah, preoccupying you. What about Amiibo? What about Amiibo? Well, that's like, because that kind of... Does that count Smash. as part of Smash Bros.? Yeah, I, I consider it because, like, I'm really going to treat Amiibo... I'm, re- I'm definitely going to focus on that a lot, too. Well, that's good, because we're going to focus a lot, of it on, a lot on it a lot. Wow, let me restart that transition. Say what you just said about Amiibo. You're going to focus a lot on it. Just say that. Repeat that, please. Yeah, what you just said. No, just repeat it. Let me set this up. Please? Amiibo will be a big part of my Smash Brothers. Hey, you know what else will be a big part of? This episode, because we have a lot to say about Amiibos. Thank you. Thank you. I hear your applause from halfway around the world two weeks after we recorded this. Thank you. Thank you kindly, everyone. Uh, so, going from the far away that is Xenoblade, I guess, to like the right now of Amiibo, because that comes out, what, Friday? A few yeah. days? Yeah, so it'll be out within a week of this episode going live, and it's it's a huge deal for this Nintendo. This has been the easiest wait for any game I've ever had to Because play. you've been playing it. Yeah, you've exactly. literally been playing it for the last month. wrong. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> it's just... It should be. Oh, it should always be like this. You know what we should have done? I can't believe we didn't realize this. We should have known from the start that eight player Smash was going to be in there. We really should have known from the start. As soon as they announced figure players with amiibo, it should have been super obvious because now you're doubling the player count. Like how would, how else would that have worked? We should have known a year ago when they first announced, or not a year ago, Unless, back in May. I don't know. I mean, I, I could understand people thinking or thinking like, oh, um, they have these amiibo characters to pretty much take the place of real people that you don't have to play with. I guess. Because not everyone can get a group of people to play with, so it makes sense. Let alone eight. <laughs> so it makes sense, like, alright, so here are these computer people that could play with you that are supposed to be better than computers. Yeah. That's and, true. Okay, I guess, yeah. I mean, usually the the wishful thinking is like, oh man, imagine if we could do four people against these four characters or stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah but it, it is kind of interesting that, like, for the longest time... I feel like, I mean, we talked about this a little last episode, but for the longest time we were like, okay, Smash Bros. for Wii is just Smash Bros. for 3DS, but in HD, right? Like, what's the big difference? Like, a lot of people had that mindset. Eight-player Smash is huge. That's their their marketing's mostly focusing on that. Yeah. Like, the commercial is about eight-player Smash. They do kind of focus on what 3DS can't do, so... Yeah, well, of course, yeah. right. But, I mean, eight-player Smash is, like, a huge thing, like, if you think it about is. it. It is. Um... And it's a big selling point for Wii owners. Reggie was doing an interview with, I think it was Wall Street Journal, where he basically said... Like, they're like, why should you upgrade from a Wii? Which, by the way, the question is, like, three years too late, but whatever. And he was like, oh, well, because, like, if you want the new Smash Bros, yeah, you have Smash Bros on Wii, but if you want to play eight-player Smash and have new characters and everything, you need a Wii U. Like, the Wii can't handle eight players. The Wii U can. Like, that's such a very direct, no pun intended, no <laughs> direct. It's a very direct way of saying this is why you need this new system. No, not really. It's HD. It's double the players. I, I, I love just the fact that they're, that the emphasis is eight players because it's so... You think it's such a Nintendo thing, like, oh, oh totally. all, all this online gaming everyone else is doing, well, we're throwing even more people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean people like to play in the comfort of their own home and not with each other? Well, guess what? You have to double down. Literally double down on who's in your ca- on your couch. <laughs> like, what was that game called where you could have, like, like, oh, you have, like, 256 people playing online? Oh, well, we have eight in one room. <laughs> what? What now? <laughs> Suck it, Sony. <laughs> Hope you have air conditioning. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's hot and sweaty in there. But, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, it is a big deal, actually. It is super cool. But Amiibo is, of course, the other big thing about Smash Bros. for Wii U. So um, there's actually not much to say about Amiibo in the context of Smash Bros. You already know how it works. 
all the characters they're releasing between now and forever are going to be um, the Smash Bros. ones, at least the first couple waves. Uh, but it's the other games that we're now finally starting to learn about. So this one's already live. For anyone who's updated to Mario Kart 8's new DLC, which obviously was in the direct but we're covering in our impressions, not in the news part because it's out and you can play it and you don't need to hear about it in that regard. Um, the Amiibo stuff in there isn't live till Friday, but what they're doing is me Racer costumes. So it seems like Amiibo's taking two approaches. Either it's a read-write thing where the figurine interacts in, with the game in both directions, where like you do something in the game, it saves the figurine, you do something in the figurine, it saves to the game. Or it's just like an unlock mechanism, which is how other games are using it. So Mario Kart 8, there are these Mii Racer fighters. Certain Amiibos will work with it, and how what it'll do is just give you these ridiculously awesome and also just downright ridiculous-looking racing outfits with helmets and everything for the characters. Like, Samus has her visor, Fox has, like, the mouthpiece and the ears, Kirby is just plastered onto the back of someone's head and smiling at you. That was my favorite by far. It makes no sense. It could have been Kirby's eyes on the front of the helmet, and his mouth could have been the opening on the helmet because he's sucking in the... But no, it's just his entire body on the back. I like to think that all the costumes represent some sort of future DLC from Mario Kart. That'd be cool. Some of it's already realized. I mean, here, Link's supported. Here's here's the list of uh, the Amiibos that, if you're out buying them in the world, that will work with Mario Kart 8. Mario, Luigi, Peach, Yoshi, Donkey Kong Link, Captain Falcon, Fox, Samus... And Kirby. No Bowser? No Bowser. Yeah. Well, let me rephrase. Those are the ones that will be released by the end of the year that Nintendo has confirmed here in the West. In Japan, where Bowser... Well, actually, Bowser's coming here, too. When Wave 3 happens, I'm sure they'll announce more at that time. For example, Toon Link, when he's in Wave 3, which we'll talk about in a minute, but he will have a costume in Mario Kart as well. Yeah. So I imagine Bowser's in. I mean, it's... I just haven't seen comments. I mean, they could easily make a costume for everybody. It's just a matter of do they want to... (laughs) And based on the fact that they only did 8 out of 18, I would guess they do not. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's the, the, I, I almost want, I'm not even kidding, I almost want to buy the Kirby Amiibo just for that outfit. It's just so stupidly great. But, uh, but yeah, I, will say, I might buy it just because it looks cool, I don't know. But, uh, Hyrule Warriors will also have Amiibo support, as we kind of touched on last episode, but we didn't know how. And it's a little gimmicky and a little kind of neat. It's another unlock mechanism. Any Smash Bros. Amiibo that you place down on the gamepad in Hyrule Warriors will automatically give you a randomly generated out of a selection of certain ones. Uh, material, weapon, or just raw rupees. That's it. Any, and nothing new, just what's in the game already. And then if you are, have Link or Zelda or Toon Link down the road, and you put those on there, you will get the same um, thing from all three of them, which is the spinner from Twilight Princess. The spinner item will be a weapon you can use in Hyrule Warriors. And a firmware update coming out sometime between now and Amiibo's launch... Or shortly thereafter, will enable all this. So, firmware, I mean, software update for uh, Hyrule Warriors. Firmware update to do Amiibos already out on the Wii U. Yeah. If you haven't updated your Wii U, folks, go do it. Because there's a whole menu of how to, like, erase your Amiibos and whatnot. If you need to clear their data and that sort of thing. Um, so, it, it's kind of cool that they're actually, like, starting to broaden how these Amiibos work. Even though some of them are literally just, like, entering a cheat code with a piece of plastic instead of typing in a code. Like, it's still kind of cool that they're making sure things are compatible with it as much as possible. In fact... Yeah, because I'm getting them mainly just for Smash Brothers. And so I get all these perks. So it's like, oh, I get these extra costumes too. And the list of stuff you'll be able to do with them is growing because Nintendo's confirmed that they're also working with third parties to allow Amiibo stuff in their games. Uh, with definitely see Sega wanting to use that Sonic one. Bandai, so. Bandai Namco's already doing it. Oh. They, uh, they have announced in Japan a new version of Ace Combat called Ace Combat. You ready for this mouthful of a title? Ace Combat, Assault Horizon Legacy Plus. Because one or two descriptors isn't enough. You need all four. Uh, it's actually an updated port 
of a 2012, or not even a port, it's an updated version of a 2012 Ace Combat 3DS game. All they're doing is adding new 3DS support, so better 3D, it'll leverage the enhanced 3D, it will, excuse me, it will use um, the C-Stick, I believe, and it will use the Amiibos. And what they're doing with the Amiibos is you plop them down and you get custom paint jobs for your fire jets. Link, Fox, Mario, Pikachu, I believe. And Samus, I think. So, it's a very ba- bare-bones one, but it's just another example of how you can do it. And Nintendo was saying to IGN, um, their licensing manager, a guy named Damon Baker, was saying that they're working to do more legit uses of Amiibo in third-party games going forward. Uh, he said it's too early because it's just launching right funny. now, but... Because of how Amiibos are being used right now, with like those other games, like pretty much costumes, yeah, um, kind of gets me worried that, like Bayonetta, like I feel like if Bayonetta came out maybe next year, those costumes would have been like Amiibo, Amiibo costumes. Oh, they totally would have. Or all the bonus costumes in Tekken, and Tekken Tag Tournament for Wii U, all of that would have been Amiibo stuff. They totally would have. Because here's the thing, you know what Amiibo are at the end of the day? Just like gonna put money. Amiibo, they're money, but they're not just money. They are. Free. Microtransactions in physical form. That is all they are. Amiibo or microtrans or, or Nintendo's answer to microtransactions, where you feel like you're getting more value because you have a piece of plastic coming with it. Remember Horse Armor in uh in um Elder Scrolls Oblivion or whichever Elder Scrolls it was way back in the day. And it was like four dollars for horse armor. Four dollars of real money. This is crazy. Well, how about thirteen dollars to unlock a costume in three games and have a little piece of plastic set on your shelf? They're microtransactions. They're just very well matched. And 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 a fighting companion. Right, that's the one exception where it's kind of cool. But no, they're, they're, uh, that's the one like loophole where they're more than microtransactions. Or not loophole, that's the one exception to it. But for everything else, they are microtransactions. That is it. It's a one-time it's fee. It's a, yeah, it's a one-time microtransaction across many games. It's brilliant. Because we're all buying them. We're all excited. And you're kind of saying, they're like, hey, we found a way to make money. <laughs> so, so yeah. that's. Uh, but what I was going to say is that Damon Baker guy was saying they're doing... um. They're going to be doing more in interesting third-party stuff that's hopefully a little beyond just microtransactions starting in 2015. They just need time to, like, set it all up. Um, for example, this happened with Miis. If, I don't know if you recall, but back when the Wii first came out, all the, there was all these reports like, oh, why can't third parties use Miis? Why is it only, like, Wii Sports and what Nintendo produces? And then, like, the following May after the system came out, so 2007, May 2007, out of nowhere, it's like, oh, FIFA has a Mii minigame mode. Or no, FIFA wasn't even the first one. The first one was like a pachinko game in Japan or something by Tecmo Koei. And it had like your head, your Mii's head as like your player icon. It's like, they're using Mii's, how are they doing that? And then like two months later, FIFA came out and it had like uh, all sorts of soccer minigames as your Mii's. And Nintendo slowly started laying the floodgate open because they were worried, well, this is our property, the Mii's our character, we don't want misrepresented, we don't want misused, and we need to make APIs, which are what developers use to hook into these things in the system memory. Yeah. So, um, so Mii's took a while to roll out. It seems like Amiibo's going to go through the same process, just maybe a little faster. Where it's Nintendo's like, we want to make sure they're doing it right. We don't want, like, you know, um, spiky walls or whatever that eShop game is. That's basically a Flappy Bird knockoff to be like, if you use your Amiibo, you unlock spikes that go a different or point in a different direction. Said someone made a Flappy Bird knockoff. Yeah. Well, there's actually a ton of them, but still. There are. For those who can't see Jose's face, there's a look of disgust. I just want you to know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's, um... So they're probably trying to do the same thing where they're being gatekeepers for the Amiibo a bit. At least I would assume that's what they're doing. I don't think anything knock off a game that has more going on with it. But Flappy Bird was so huge. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Anyway, there is one ca- uh, caveat of Amiibo that kind of sucks. 
in a way. Getting better. What? What? No, that doesn't make it any better. What doesn't make what any better? It, uh, so, no, Flappy Bird being really popular. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have Flappy Bird still on my phone. Because well, if I delete... Memory, I do. I have 128 gigs. That's right. 128. I delete mine. You could re-download it anytime, I think. But oh, yeah. You know you want to in like five years. Be like, hey, what was that newfangled Flappy Bird all the kids were talking no, about five it, years ago? whatever copter or whatever it's called. No, it's not. Uh, that bombed. Or not bombed, but it did not do... It, it was not a viral hit like Flappy Bird. You're talking about his second game, right? I guess. Well, conveniently, I have that on my phone, too. I will tell you what it's called. You are thinking of... You were the one that Swing Copters. Yeah. It's not as good at all. I don't know. I think it's better. It's well, he... Fi- actually, I that back. Before he off. fixed the, me- the mechanics of the game, it did not work. After, like, two days, he fixed it so he could actually play it right, and then it worked a little better. But but back to Amiibo. Because as much as we love crappy iOS games, <laughs> back to that, some debatably stealing Nintendo assets, back to Amiibo. Uh, so there is one caveat of Amiibo... That kind of sucks. Uh, and that's that the read-write feature. So basically how Smash... Well, let me rephrase. If you're using Amiibos to unlock stuff, congrats. Any game that has that support for that Amiibo figure will always be able to unlock stuff no matter what. So Mario Kart 8. If you have your Amiibo and you have your Smash Bros. data on it, great. Use it in Mario Kart 8. Use it in Hyrule Warriors. Use it in Captain Toad when they roll it out. doesn't matter. If a second game comes out that does the read-write thing, as in it takes data from the Amiibo and then saves new data to the Amiibo, you're either going to need two Amiibos... Or you're going to need to delete the other game. It turns out that the Amiibo will only be able to support one save-write, your, yeah, read-write state game at a time. So if you have your Smash Bros. level 50 uh, FP on there, and it knows your exact battle patterns, and it knows never grab the Smash Ball, but always use the shield and everything, and then you'd get hypothetical game down the road that lets you have your Amiibo be, I don't know, computer-assistant to something or whatever... You have to make the choice: Do I keep my fighter player, or do I delete it and use it in the new game, or do I buy a second amiibo, or a third amiibo, or a fourth amiibo? So, for people that are collecting, it, it's not a huge deal. But Nintendo's whole argument with amiibo was it's one figure that will work with multiple games. And while that's true, it is one figure that unlocks things in multiple games. Unfortunately, it's not true that it will work fully with multiple games. So it's a bit—I want to say disingenuous of Nintendo, but they—they bent it. They bent the. Uh, description of it a little to make it sound better than it is because you know to their credit amiibos only have so much save room so much storage on their little chips yeah, and someone just thing ideally would assume like oh you just buy that one to one you never really have to worry about anything else again. right yeah right but i mean and i mean there is the thing that like any game is going to do what smash bros is doing in terms of the amount of the amount it leans on amiibo will presumably have its own line of amiibo so i don't think this is a huge issue per se it's just kind of weird that nintendo kept saying oh yeah one amiibo every you know multiple games it'll be great and then it's like Unless you actually use it to its full potential, then you're kind of pared down to one-to-one. Yeah, but even then, I feel like... It's it, not a huge loss. Yeah, it won't be that bad, especially because like, if you're using it for Smash Brothers, I guess, kind of like what they're getting at, it's like, oh, no two Amiibo are alike. So you can, they want to kind of get the idea that, like, yeah. oh, this Mario is... I don't know, you could probably nickname it, so you could call it um, Mr. P for Plumber. So like, oh, this uh, is- missed opportunity here, call him Jumpman. That's too... Too generic? Too generic. Fine, call him Mustache. Fine, you have a Zelda named Spellman there. Fine. <laughs> but you have a Zelda named Spellman, so you want to think like, oh, that's that's my Spellman figure. So we... Why not be clever and confusing and name her Sheik? Spoiler alert. Because that's, that's, that's also too, too uninspired, I guess. Fine, fine. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Well, to continue your point. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't call like Link Zelda or... 
blah 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 samus metroid no okay you can't say zelda and sheik are like samus and metroid sheik is zelda's alter ego i would call sheik the metroid is not um samus's alter ego that's just the name of her game no i know i'm just yeah i I got you i got same naming Uh, yeah thing yeah but that's it just like yeah, the, ideally, if Nintendo's mindset is They want you to give an identity to the Amiibos. Right. That, I guess it feels more exclusive to that game. So if yeah. you want to make another identity, it's like, oh, I, I want to have this Zelda is just that Zelda the whole time. This Zelda is Zelda. I want another Zelda to be... Translation, uh, more money. Yeah. Why well, have one Zelda when you can have two that do different <laughs> things? But I'll uh, give this one a little hat and a scarf. <laughs> uh, it is actually interesting they did a survey with Club Nintendo recently where they were asking like would you get alternate color amiibo would you buy exclusive variants of amiibo like what would you do so depending on how people answered that we may be seeing stuff like here's Link in a top hat and right. that's what's got under the they release the same yep. toys but like at Walmart there's like an all gold edition an yep. all silver edition or like the invert or they had the black and white ones for a while yeah yeah so I would not be surprised if Nintendo does that because they're learning a lot from Skylanders. I mean, a lot of the strategy here is very uh, Skylandery. Uh, but in happier amiibo no- a new- in happier amiibo news, assuming if the if in the off chance the uh, the one to one thing bummed you out, here's some better news. Wave three we kind of touched on already has been announced and it's coming sooner than you'd expect, much sooner because apparently like and all the other ways. Yeah, but uh, the thing is, apparently this is another thing I think Nintendo learned from Sky uh, Skylanders. What's interesting about like all these NFC toys is their best-selling period is not the holiday holidays. It's the six months after the holidays. Because all these kids have these new toys and are freaking out. They're like, I gotta get them all. I gotta get more. I need more. I need more. So if you roll them out rapid fire like January, February, March, April, May, your sales will be higher than if you wait and do them in like September, October for the next holiday season. Which makes a certain amount of sense. But it, I didn't really think of that until Reggie spelled it out in an interview with uh, Recode. Where they were talking about Nintendo's holiday plan, and he was just like, yeah, it's really important to have the NFC figures coming out rapid fire. And they're doing that. So, Wave 3, in February, will include 11 new figurines. It's a pretty big wave compared to Wave 2. Uh, there'll be Lucario, Rosalina and Luma, Bowser, Toon Link, Sheik, Ike, Meta Knight, King Dedede, Shulk, Mega Man, and Sonic. Those are the first third-party amiibos so far. And what's interesting about Sonic, at least, I probably Mega Man 2, is the packaging doesn't say... Capcom or Sega or anything on it for, you know, their respective publishers. It's only Nintendo. In other words, if you went to little 90s Jason and said, hey, can you imagine one day you'll be picking up a Sonic toy and all it says on it is Nintendo? Head would have exploded. I think Nintendo, I mean, we already knew who won the console war, considering one company's making games for the other, but I think this is like the seals the deal even more so than the Mario and Sonic crossover games. To have a Sonic product with no Sega logo on the front is insane. It's just like, it's crazy. Like, 90s people can't comprehend this. It'd be but, like Pac-Man when that comes out eventually. Yeah, yeah. But but even, but a little less so, because Pac-Man and yeah, there were never Nintendo, never, the, Namco and Nintendo never had a rivalry, per se. And Nintendo's already made a Pac-Man game, Pac-Man Versus. Miyamoto personally made it. But, um, but yeah, each of these are going to be the same twelve ninety nine as usual. But what's interesting is Nintendo's doing retail-exclusive ones. Not sure how I feel about that. So far, all we know is that Shulk will be a GameStop exclusive, and I believe Lucario and Rosalina are not available for and pre-order Knight. yet. And Meta Knight are not yet up for pre-order because they're probably going to be retail exclusive as well. For some reason, like, I don't know why those characters... Shulk makes sense, though, because Xenoblade in the U.S. was GameStop exclusive, so they're kind of keeping that partnership going. But yeah, I I don't know about the others. Where, I mean, you're someone... It just seems random. You're someone that wants to collect all of them. So yeah. what are your thoughts on having... You said you're going to... 
So what are your thoughts on having to like go to individual stores all over the place just to find your? You mean amiibo? go to different websites or websites if you're getting them shipped to your house? I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> well, that's good because if you did, it's not a big deal. They go okay. I have to buy it at a different store. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know like because some people might like be greatly anguished by this. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, unless I, I don't know. I don't. But you have an advantage in that. I, I don't. I'm not. Yeah, I don't really hate any store. I know there's some people that feel passionately against... Anti-GameStop. Against GameStop, or against Best Buy, against whatever, for any reason, but... I don't well, Best Buy, I'm just putting this on record. I shop at Best Buy all the time, but they suck because they won't take Apple Pay. Just, just saying. They're a technology store. Take the new technology. I've been shopping there for, like, 15 years, just fine, without Apple Pay. And now I have Apple Pay, and I hate that I can't use it. Apple Pay is great, by the way. Um, but... Yeah, but that's, yeah, yeah. It's basically, it's not a big deal. People, that's, a, that's a spirit. People, I think, are just overreacting. I will say the new logos look... Or the new logos. Pff, the new figurines look really good. Nintendo seemed to have realized how dumb it is to have the colored plastic, like the translucent colored plastic, and now they're just doing clear. Yeah. For the support beams. All of Wave 3 is clear. Except... Well, except it, it, Luma. It, 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 except Luma, but that's like a, a motion no, it cloud. Dep- it depends on the figure. Like, Diddy's isn't clear. That's right, Wave 2. I'm talking about Wave 3. Oh, all of Wave 3 is clear, except Luma, which makes sense because it's supposed to be like a well, no, cloud it, of it, dust. It, it just looked like it was, um, they were making the the clear, well, that plastic piece kind of match with whatever the figure was doing. Not really. Why is Link's bright yellow? I don't know, Triforce is yellow? I kind of do. Why is there a yellow stick coming out of his leg? I kind of associate yellow, yellow with Link for some reason. Whenever it I... looks off. I've seen it in person. It does not no. look good. <laughs> it looks weird. I mean, I get what you're saying, but it just looks really weird. There's just like a hunk of yellow coming out of it. Why does Captain Falcon have like a blue line coming out of his butt, literally? Uh-huh. Like, I, I I mean, it just looks strange. I think, to me, Wave 3, though, they're all clear. So that that's a plus. Well, most of them... Most I mean, look them... at your figurines in here. You have, like, posable figurines that come with clear stands to support their off-balanceness. None of them are colored. Yeah, but those are different, though. Those are... How so? They're not meant for, like, five-year-olds. But these aren't only meant for five-year-olds. They're meant for every age. Uh-huh. So, so why would they do color when they can do clear and just oh. make it look like the, the figure's on its own two legs opposed to... Maybe cut is tested well. I don't know. I think <laughs> what they did is they thought it was cool and then they saw the internet backlash and they're like, okay, updating it for Wave 3. I mean, Wave 3 doesn't even look like most of them even needed. Link has it. Because, Chain um, Link has it. No, yeah, but that's just like one. Because, I mean, most of them are like... I'm pulling up Wave 3. <laughs> most of them are big figures that stand on like both legs on the ground. Most of the stand- figures that need them are the ones that are doing that weird balancing act. Yeah, because Nintendo... Like, doesn't need it. DDD doesn't need it. Mega Man doesn't need it because they're both... They don't really need to balance them. Yeah, for better or worse, Nintendo decided to make all the Smash Bros. Amiibos look just like their trophies in the game, which led to some really awkward posing in terms of how to make pa- plastic evenly balanced. But in terms of who has them, um, you're right, it is fewer this time. But it looks like Toon Link has it under his leg, Lucario has it between his legs, uh, Sheik has it coming from behind her, Shulk has it under his sword, Man Knight has it under his foot, Sonic has it behind his foot. All of them are clear, except Luma, who has a little wisp of, like, space dust, which actually makes sense. And looks appropriate. It's, like, speckled gray. All right. But all the others. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very passionate about my clear plastic, that's all. Um, I will say, speaking, actually, speaking of Amiibo, if you go to the Amiibo website, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Nintendo has a, like, discover the power within is the tagline. Two things. One, that's a nice little reference to now you're playing with power and a Pokemon, because they both have used variants of that phrase. And two, the word power is the Nintendo power logo power. They took the logo from Nintendo Power, the modern Nintendo Power logo, like the most recent, the one where it's just big bold letters, not little, you know, yellow and red lines, uh-huh. and just pasted that in. So it's like discover the power within, but it's the old NP logo. Oh, look at that. Kind of a cool little reference for the older fans. Um, 
And one other bit of interesting, kind of cool Amiibo news, actually, how is that for a decent transition? Sorry. Is they're doing, thanks, is they're doing a deal with Loot Crate, which isn't quite what was cracked up to be, but in theory sounds awesome. After, so for those... After, after, after all the press, I was like, wait. Yeah. Let me explain how it works for those who don't, under, who don't know about it, and then we'll get down to the price. Because I was super on board with this up until the price and the selection of Amiibo. Yeah. So basically what they're doing, what Loot Crate does is just a subscription service where you get a box of random nerd stuff. Cool nerd stuff. You don't know what it is. You pay like 20 bucks a month and you just get a box of stuff. And they tell you at the start of Which month. Sounds the box, good, but, but then you're stuck I, with stuff you don't want. Yeah, because I mean... There's a ton of nerd stuff that you can possibly get. I mean, there's entire sites like Think Geek that just sell only nerd stuff. Yeah, yeah, but if you think about it, like most people only really like two or three different things. Yeah, and and the things they like, they're very passionate about, so they'll really appreciate those things. But I mean, yeah, you can see that like, at Comic Con. So yeah, you can like, see that at Comic Con because like people will go and be super into what they're into, but, but only what they're into. Yeah, but they like, will walk past the Walking Dead cast and be like, whatever, and then they'll see like the cast of Gotham and have a heart attack. Yeah, like, to them, like, the other things don't either don't exist or, or don't they matter. don't care or... Yeah. Yeah, so... That's why I think it's kind of... I, I, if anything, I thought of it as, like, oh, the things I like, I'll keep. Everything else might you just could be sell. A, a gift. Yeah, so that's how Loot Crate works in general. And what's kind of interesting is they've done partnerships before. They did a Titanfall Loot Crate back in March with EA of yeah. some sort. But what it's was like weird about that one that people didn't like is it was a new franchise. If you have an Xbox One and don't care about Titanfall, you're stuck with all this Titanfall stuff. Because it's only Titanfall. They're now doing oh, some... the Attack on Titan stuff from that anime. In the same one? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's a little better then. But that's still... Yeah, you have I think to, like... they called it Attack on Titanfall. Oh, clever, clever. But, and they are doing, for normal Loot Crate, crate members, uh, some Loot Crates are going to randomly have a Wii U, a 3DS, copies of Smash, the full Amiibo line, uh, shirts. Like there, But there'll be other stuff, could too. It's just man. You never know. That could be you. I know. It could be me. I already have a Wii U and a 3DS, but I can get two. Why not? Uh, but what they're really doing for Amiibo people is Loot Crate's making a special subscription service for just Amiibo, where you will get three boxes over the span of the holidays, one every two weeks, three weeks, something like that. And there will be ten Amiibo you get in total over those three boxes. And the Amiibo are preset, and we already know what they were. When they initially announced it, it was Mario, DK, Kirby, Pikachu... Oh, wait. No. When it was initially announced, it was Mario, DK, Pikachu, Fox, Kirby, I think. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So I get five that I know I would be interested in, and then there's, like, five more that, oh, it's going to be a mystery. Maybe it'll be Captain Falcon. Maybe it'll be Diddy. Maybe it'll be, like, cool ones like that. Nah. It's, uh, the full list is, like I said, Mario, DK, Kirby, Pikachu, Peach, Yoshi, Fox, Samus, Luigi, Zelda. And the price isn't that great either. Uh, I mean, you do get some extra stuff, I should say. So in addition to the Amiibos, you're going to get at random, not random, but surprise, you're going to get a wristband, an Amiibo wristband, like a, almost like a Livestrong wristband, like a rubber one, but it says Amiibo. Uh, some stickers. Yeah, a super rare T-shirt. I don't know what that means, and a cinch bag. Probably have the amiibo logo on it. Yeah, probably or Smash logo or something. So you get all that, and you get it for either three payments, three weekly payments of fifty dollars plus five dollars shipping, bringing you to one hundred sixty-five dollars, or a lump sum where you save ten bucks and only pay one hundred fifty-five dollars. Now here's where it got weird to me because at first I was like, oh, I'm di- I'm indecisive. I don't know which Amiibo I want. Like, I kind of want a few of these, but that'd be cool. I could get 10. It'd be great. And I had this weird mentality at the time when they first announced this where I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Because when I buy a Nintendo product, I buy it. I have it. I'm done. That's how a game works. You buy it, you have it. You don't need to keep rebuying it. But Amiibo's like constant waves of ga- of stuff. So, like, when they announced Wave 3, I was like, mm, maybe I won't do Loot Crate because I want some of those. I don't need 10 of the others. I could do, like, two of each. 
that was like the first crack in the facade. Then the second one was the pricing in the amiibo selection. If it was like 10 or 20 bucks cheaper, and if they swapped out a few of those amiibos for some cooler ones, in my opinion, I would have jumped on that in a heartbeat. Now I like literally, I'm like, I don't care anymore. I'll just go buy them myself. I'll buy like two mm. from each wave or something. I don't need... No. I don't need you, Loot Crate. But no, it's just kind of like... I feel like it's a really missed, bit of a missed opportunity, you know? Because it is a really they cool concept. They should have kept them a mystery. No, that would be worse. That would be way worse. Or they should have actually legitimately randomized them like Loot Crate kind of does. That would be okay. Because if they say, we're going to give them to you at random and then you get whatever you get, I'd be like, all right, sure, well, I like, bought into the randomness. But the fact that they're telling me you're going to get these ones you don't want. Well, that's like, just kept yeah. it a mystery. Yeah. I mean, they know what pool you're available from, but you don't know which ones you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Just make it from But the problem is they're not... Yeah, they should have made it the pool all 18 or however many. But it is, for those who are interested, if you do want all those figures, the perks are you don't have to go hunt them down stores or try and, like, find them when there's going to be a frenzy. You uh, get them delivered to your door. You do get the extra free stuff, which you could argue is worth 20 to 30 bucks after shipping. I'm, You know, it's up to you. So it is an appealing proposition to people who want those Amiibos. It's just not a universal appeal that it seemed like it would be when Nintendo announced it. Because it is a genius idea. It just isn't well... Thought well executed, I guess, in my opinion. So, but but still, it really shows how Nintendo's going all in with Amiibo. Like doing stuff like this is not a normal practice for a game company. And I think I think part of the reason they're going all all in is Amiibo to them really is a platform. It's not just like a thing. It's not an accessory. This is a whole platform. It's got to work across their systems, across their games. I mean, we already know. Obviously, it's in Smash, it's in Mario Kart, and Hyrule Warriors. It's been confirmed already for Yoshi's Woolly World. Mario Party 10, and now Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, we got first confirmation in the Nintendo Direct that it will have Amiibo support. Basically, every single major game is going to get Amiibo support. And then in 2015, 3DS will be able to do Amiibo as well. So there'll be a whole wave of Amiibo games for that, too. So it's it's definitely a platform, and they're going to expand it, and they're going to keep going going forward. This is kind of a good transition into the investor Q&A, actually, because they talked about the future of Amiibo, and it's not just figurines. They're going to do miniature figurines, which are like figurines, but smaller. And they're also going to do uh, trading cards, which is perhaps most interesting. Miyamoto was saying during the investor Q&A that they kind of want to mimic how the old e-reader cards in Game Boy Advance worked. Which, if you recall, was um, you swipe a whole bunch of cards with that e-reader and it like loads up an NES game. Or it loads up a, uh, you know, a unlockable in Mario 3D. Or, sorry, not Mario 3D. Mario 3 for Game Boy Advance or... Animal Crossing for the GameCube through connectivity. They want to kind of do that with the cards now. Because he's saying you can just tap a whole bunch of different cards and you have a game. And then it saves to the game by you retapping the one card. You know, saves back to the card by retapping it on the MC pad. So they are looking at all sorts of different ways to use Amiibo. The cards actually sound kind of cool. Imagine if they integrate it with Pokemon Train Card Game. And Pokemon Train Card Game for Wii U. They get from the eShop. That would be kind of neat. So the potential is certainly there. And they're already talking about different ways of doing it. He specifically name-dropped Animal Crossing as a game that's going to use Amiibo. He said they're having internal discussions and basically kind of tapered off with, like, yeah, like, you know, like in a game like Animal Crossing. It's just like, wait, well, what was that? What about Animal Crossing? So, A, Animal Crossing confirmed. No surprise there. And B, Amiibo support. I betcha the... Yeah. I betcha the miniature figurines are going to be used for Animal Crossing. Although, then again, now that I think about it, E-Reader did have multiple series of Animal Crossing E-Reader cards. They released multiple sets. They could totally revive that, because there's so many villagers, that might make more sense. They could totally revive um, the e-reader Animal Crossing cards as amiibo cards, and you could collect them all and trade them and whatnot to get every character and whatnot. Maybe that's how you get new villagers in your game. Or you scan them in, and there's special events where the attendance is determined by which card you have. You know, like a festival or something. Hmm. 
There's all sorts of possibilities. Because they already did the... now. Yeah, that actually makes total sense because they already did Animal Crossing cards for the GameCube one through the e-reader. So they could just revive that. Nintendo never gives up on an idea. Ever. So it would make... Never. Like, the card thing, e-reader. So it would make perfect sense for them to just copy that idea and modernize it with NFC. It's only time will tell. Time will tell. I bet you Animal Crossing will be out next year. I mean, they don't just casually mention a game that's not going to come out for four years. So you never know. Uh, another interesting thing, actually, that Mimo say, said about Amiibo is that they're now... He almost sounded like he was regretting the fact that NFC was not emphasized on the Wii U before now. NFC, in Nintendo's mind at this stage, is, is as important, if not perhaps more important, than the dual-screen gamepad TV setup. The whole asymmetric gameplay, the whole having two screens thing, they originally, off-TV play, they originally ran with that because... The 3DS and the DS did it and did it well and were successful. So like, oh, we'll just show, look, now it's the same on the TV. They're now saying, we probably should have de-emphasized that a little to emphasize NFC more. Like, they could have probably skipped over the Pokemon Rumble experiment with NFC and gone straight to Amiibo two years ago. That was two years ago? When the Wii U launched? No, Pokemon Rumble. No, that was one year ago. I'm just saying, like, they could have... Oh, yeah. They could have, two years ago, instead of focusing so much on, it, so much on asymmetric gameplay, they could have just done... NFC right then and there. Yeah. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I don't think at the time they felt NFC could be so big. It wasn't proven until Skylanders. It wasn't proven until Disney Infinity. So, of course, you could say that now. But who knows? Either way, big things in store for Amiibo. Should be pretty cool. The other big project Nintendo's working on, and of course talked about at that investor Q&A, is the Quality of Life platform, which we talked about pretty heavily last episode. That, again, for those who might not have heard is multiple devices with multiple sensors and whatnot that are called non... There are five non-sensing, not nonsense, non-space sensing aspects of these devices. Be it you don't have to install it. You don't have to manually do anything with it. It just monitors you, uploads it to the central cloud, which is the quality of life itself, and then kind of disperses results and information to you and recommendations of what to do. So that's what quality of life is. And um, we now know that because it's this service not a product, it's going to be sold differently than how Nintendo usually sells things. Because what Nintendo does is you buy their game, you got their game. You buy their console, you have their console. This one, they want to have a long-term relationship with the customer. So that means subscription model. They're going to charge a monthly, maybe not monthly. They said they're they're not sure. They're not ready to talk about how they're going to charge, but expect a recurring payment, which is a first for Nintendo, because even all their online is free. So this is going to be the first time that an online service they provide will actually be a subscription-based, Netflix-style, you pay, you get it, you don't pay, you lose it. And that's on top of, of course, buying the, you know, buying the, in this case, the fatigue sensor or whatever they're calling it. So, so that's a bit of a change for Nintendo. It's, uh, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. If they're providing this running health service, why wouldn't they charge you for it? Because uh, of the goodness of their heart? I would, I would like to think so. And it almost, and it also almost sounds like almost... Sounds like this is where they're going to leverage mobile heavily. Because they were saying, because another question was, okay, sure, so you're charging people, but how do you keep them engaged and paying and want to stay on board? And Iwata made two comments. One was basically that you need to have some sort of feedback loop. You need to have something that engages them, which Nintendo knows from their video games. You know, Wii Fit was a successful example of how they applied game knowledge to a fitness thing, and it worked. It was a successful example. It was. It sold millions. People don't use it anymore, but they can learn from that yeah. experience. They can see what people did or didn't do. Brain Age. Poor we fit you. I know, right? That bombed hard. Brain Age, same situation. It did super well in the DS era. Not so well in the 3DS era, but they learned from it, presumably. So he's saying between those gameplay kind of hooks and a mobile app, 
or a mobile experience or you leveraging mobile, they can do it. It almost sounded like he was saying that Nintendo's big mobile push is going to be notifications about your quality of life stuff by way of an app. Because you're like, yeah, they, there's notifications on phone. Like, they're pushed to you. So you're engaging with them daily, whether you want to or not. They're there on your phone, and we can do that. So that might be their mobile push. Outside of gaming. In gaming, I want to make an interesting comment about what Nintendo's first app will be. This kind of flew under the radar. Most people didn't pick up on it. It's going to be an app centered around Miis. Those lovable Miis. You'll be able to, like, customize your Mii, edit your Mii, add it as a social media picture. There better be more to it than that. Mm. Or that's way too little too late. So... Me maker on the go. Me maker on the go. I mean, he didn't say it in those words, but he's basically like, yeah, like people on like to use their me's and like social media. So why don't we have a place where we can edit them and share them easily? And it's just like, right. We're doing them a favor. Yeah. And he went on to say, exactly. And he went on to say that they realized they can add on top of that, which is why the app's been taking so long. And he called it embarrassing that it took them this long. So at least they're aware. So hopefully whatever they're adding on top is like maybe, I don't know, an eShop interface, Meverse integration, friends list where you can see who's playing what, even when you're on the go. Anything like that would be pretty awesome and build on top of it. But the core original idea was Mii's anywhere. So stay tuned for that, I guess. Should be sometime in 2015, it sounds like. Um, so a lot of this stuff obviously is leaning really heavily on the cloud, specifically quality of life, right? And um, I want to make an interesting point, or was asked, I should say, will this spill over to gaming? Because, you know, I don't know. Have you heard about this on Xbox One, how, like, you can... If it's connected to the internet, it will do some of the processing power on the cloud. So you can actually generate oh, yeah. stuff on your game. Yeah. Like, more enemies than ever because half of it's on a server in Redmond or whatever. So someone's like, well, Nintendo's doing cloud stuff with um, quality of life. Gaming. Yeah, you gonna do anything there? The answer's no. At least as of now. So don't expect a crazy, like, splitting of the power between a well, Wii U I mean, and a next... They, well, they can't do that retroactively. They have to... They can't have the firmware update. Again? They oh. can have a game coded in a certain way that pings another place somewhere else mm. to do I stuff. But there was some hardware. Actually, you know, there may be, but even then, he's basically saying don't expect it. Like, the next-gen system might not do it either. Mm. It doesn't seem like something Nintendo wants to invest in. I don't blame him, because the problem with that is you have to be constantly connected. If you're not connected, what, your game's going to run at half speed? It's going to be missing half its enemies? Like, that's odd. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have it be local, because you can't rely so heavily on the web. Because if it goes down, if there's an issue, if there's a backlash, like Xbox One. Then they have to decide, like, how good are we going to make the game look from the get-go? Right. And how much are we going to leave for... Right. Because, like, when... Why don't they make it look as best as you can and just kind of... Definitely, based on the hardware you know everyone has in their living room. Yeah. because, yeah, like, Xbox One, the problem was, originally that system was designed as always connected. Everything was always connected. Your games, you install them and then you can share them because you're always connected. And there was a huge backlash to how the DRM was going to work. And how the always connected features go work and connect was always going to be listening to you while it's always connected to the internet. That's creepy. Like all that. So Microsoft had to backpedal and now there's probably Xboxes that are having situations where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not connected to the web so I'm missing a third of the enemies on screen or something like that. Or the textures look lower res as a result. So in a way, it's kind of good Nintendo not doing anything about that. And while we're talking about games, the investor part of the Q&A that has to do with games is kind of interesting in that um, quality of life I'm sure this is a concern to many people. I mean, us probably included. Will that take away from Nintendo's game output at all? Right? Because, like, well, if they're... would be different teams. Yeah, right? that's, I think, what's going on. And, and Nintendo didn't direct, directly address this head-on during the Q&A. But someone did ask them, what are you doing about, like, increasing software output? And they do have a plan in place. So even if Quality of Life were, hypothetically, to mooch some people away, they do have, a, like, a way to make sure that they keep pumping out games. Um, well, I'm, me and Mo were talking about probably more in the context of there's no third parties. What are you guys doing to fill the void? Then quality of life is taking people away. But either way, the, the point still stands. Um, 
And what they're planning to do is, and Miyamoto summed it up in one word, spinoffs. Look forward to more stuff like Hyrule Warriors, Captain Toad. Basically, what they came to realize, and I can't believe it took them this long to realize, is, hey, Hyrule Warriors was a success, and hey, Captain Toad's tracking pretty well, and hey, wait a minute, why make fans wait three to four years for a game when we can give them little, like, appetizers along the way with their favorite characters, but doing different things and in different situations? And it's still the same franchise, so we'll still make money. And then they're appeased, because they don't have to worry about, like, where's my new Zelda game? Because there's Hyrule Warriors. There's a pseudo-Zelda game. Enjoy. So they're going to be doing more of that. And the main way they're going to focus on more of that is by um, doing things like working more with second parties, working more with third parties, that kind of thing. So we will see what that, you know, how that actually happens. But it's kind of a cool idea. Because, I mean, they did reference, like, Tecmo Koei is a good partner. Captain Toad, it, believe it or not, is actually not Nintendo making it. It's partly Nintendo. Rumor has it, it's actually a whole new studio. But it's also in large part a company called One Up Studio, who you may formerly known as Brownie Brown, makers of uh, Magical Vacation, the DSR features. I remember that. Yeah. Do you? No? Do you remember Brownie Brown? Nope. No? They helped with uh, Sword of Man on GBA as well. That was a game I remember well. But do you? No. I thought so. But yeah, so um, so yeah, they're going to do more like that. They're going to lean more on second parties and third parties to make filler games. And then this actually ties in pretty nicely with what we were saying earlier about how they have like budget games now, like Kirby and Captain Toad. So they have multiple tiers, because they can pump out these games cheaper and faster, and then people get more games. Hmm. So it's, 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 a, it's a smart a smart move. Um, actually, interesting to side about Captain Toad while we're talking about it. Did you know, I read this on Game Informer's website the other day, Captain Toad was originally going to be a Zelda game. Yeah, I did remember seeing that. Yeah, it was basically the director of... the Tingle game. No, not a Tingle game, a Zelda game. The director of Captain Toad approached Nintendo's higher-ups with this idea of, like, dioramas that you explore and you can't jump. And originally, apparently it was so realistic-looking, like the graphics, that Miyamoto said, wait, so how do we put these dioramas into production? Like, how do we sell these as physical objects? He's like, no, 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 it's a game. And they're like, oh, no, let's not do that, no. And he's like, oh, okay. And again, another example of Nintendo never giving up on an idea... He then snuck it in as a minigame in 3D World, and it did well. And here we go, Captain Toad. So that's kind of a funny side, because originally he was like, oh, Zelda would make sense because Link doesn't jump. So I'll present this diorama game as Zelda, because that'll make him interested in the game. Off, he yeah, but he doesn't auto, he doesn't, uh, you, there's no jump button, much oh. like in this. I feel like this could have also worked like if they did a Link Between Worlds silhouette thing the whole time. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. But, so yeah, because he basically, he had a gameplay idea, and he was like, how do I present it best to the execs? Link doesn't jump. Let's do Link. And then they're like, nah. And he's like, how do I present this now? Captain Toad. And did it. So that's how it came about. Interesting. Now, it's, it's, I mean, Miyamoto's referenced this before, but it's interesting. Like, here we have a concrete example of they come up with game plan and then they slap on an IP if appropriate. Because they literally went through their two biggest properties before selling on Mario. So it's just kind of a cool side. Um, going back, though, to how Nintendo's going to keep up its droughts or prevent its droughts. Not keep up its droughts. We don't want to keep up the drought. How it would prevent the drought is also, we're seeing it, uh, DLC. And more custom game recommendations. So on the DLC front, I mean, Mario Kart's the prime example of this, but Nintendo's going to keep pushing it with new DLC. That's why they staggered it to do, um, you know, expand, to keep the sales going, keep the interest going, keep people playing. That's why there's one in November and then nothing till May. Uh, they're doing it with Pikmin now. The Pikmin short movies, which we're going to talk about pretty soon, 
are kind of a gateway into making more Pikmin in the future. They're, it's a marketing move where they figure, okay, Pikmin short movies will get people interested in the franchise again. Boom, here's a Pikmin 3 demo that we just released, coincidentally, on the same day. And on top of that, we'll get the fan base a little more interesting by by doing stuff on Miiverse, like a drawing contest for Pikmin. All that at once is a de- is a push for what Miyamoto said is the first step towards a future Pikmin game. So, Pikmin 4 stealth confirmed, I guess. It's interesting, sir. Yeah, it seems that way. So basically... Basically, Nintendo's approach when they have no third parties is we're going to pump out a whole bunch of new games using partners, and we're going to pump a bunch of new stuff into our old games and market them like crazy, and using your Nintendo Network ID gives you custom game recommendations based on what you've played. Which is kind of a smart one, because not everyone's listening to this podcast or as in-depth in the Nintendo world as we are, and don't necessarily know every single game coming out. So it is kind of smart if it's like, hey, we see you played Captain Toad, have you checked out Mario 3D World? Although I don't know how they would go backwards and not know about Mario 3D World, but, you know, <laughs> stuff they like that. they've got a Wii U now, around yeah. the time that Captain Toad came out. Yeah, exactly, so... But then, chances are, they probably have a bundle that came with Mario 3D World. You would hope. You would hope. You would hope. Unless they somehow got stuck with an old bundle. They could have a Mario Kart bundle, though. They could. Which is also a pretty a pretty good one. So I, I wouldn't necessarily hope for them to the 3D World, because Mario Kart would work. But So that's all first-party th- stuff. There's a really brief little, you know, there is a bit of a third-party world on the three on the 3s and wii u uh i mean for one thing there's the wonderfully horribly glitchy uh sonic boom for wii u and then the slightly better 3ds one have you been following sonic boom for wii u at all i have it doesn't look that bad it doesn't look that bad just looks like they should have put left in qa for a couple more months there was only one qa tester i know yeah that's pretty crazy you can tell (laughs) (laughs) but some of the memes coming out of that are pretty funny but yeah besides sonic Yep. I guess after seeing Sonic 06, um, this one didn't seem... It's already being nicknamed Sonic 14. <laughs> so It just didn't seem like as bad as that game. Well, like, there's no Sonic kissing a human lady, so there's that in its well, favor. I don't know, I'm not even counting that, just like glitch-wise. I, I draw the line at Sonic bestiality moments, personally. But, <laughs> but um, no, yeah, glitch-wise it's a little better, but that's not saying a whole lot. But beyond Sonic Boom, and you know what sucks about that one? It's a Wii U and... 3DS ex- It's a Nintendo exclusive. A Nintendo platform exclusive. Yeah. You, and it has such a bad rap. People are buying it to trash it, primarily. Like, to ironically play it. But hey, I guess a sale's a sale, as far as Sega's yeah. concerned. Um, but yeah, beyond that, there is some third-party stuff of note, uh, kind of Wii U and 3DS, even without Nintendo really, you know, having much to work with, as they explained in the investor meeting. I mean, there's 25 indie games they highlighted in that Direct. And there's some new ones in there. Like, Rive is now confirmed for Wii U. That's Two Tribes, a side-scoring shooter. That was previously just hinted at for Wii U. We now know Gunman Clive 2 is coming to Wii U instead of, I guess, 3DS or in addition to 3DS or maybe it was an error on Nintendo's part. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. Uh, and then we have Sega just announcing more 3D Classic remakes for the 3DS eShop. 3D Afterburner 2, 3D Fantasy Zone, 3D Outrun, 3D Fantasy Zone 2, and 3D Thunderblade are now coming to the US for the first time. And we have stuff like Commander Vader now popping up as a trophy in Smash Bros. As a way to like give back to the <clears throat> Nindy community. So, Nintendo's still working with third parties, it's just they're doing this kind of second, it's like back burner to the fact that they have um, to make their own games, because they don't know how long these guys will stick around. I think the indies are much safer bet, but, you know, than the uh, than the major third parties, because Ubisoft is basically gone, for example. So, that's what's going on in the third party world. Uh, while we're talking shop, though, I guess we should talk uh, October MPD numbers. Jay's in sales corner. There's not a ton to say, for better or worse. I mean, overall, U.S. game industry was pretty flat. Uh, software sales were down, but then hardware sales were up, thanks 
pretty much the continued insanity of uh, PS4 and Xbox One selling gangbusters. Xbox One just hit 10 million units worldwide three months after PS4. So I think we have a clear winner. What? A clear second place? Yeah, clear second place. Um, Wii U is actually chugging along, though. It did see a dip compared to September, which makes sense because Hyrule Warriors is probably a more high-profile release than Bayonetta 2. If you look just at the month of games, plus they're still riding the Mario Kart wave. So in October, estimates put it at about, like, leaked numbers that... Leaked numbers combined with Nintendo's own percentages they announced kind of pin it around 68,000 units in October. In September, it sold 90,000. So it's down month over month. But if you look at the first 10 months of the year, it's up 47% compared to 2013. So overall, it's doing better. We use doing better. And software sales are actually up 87% in that same 10 months because Mario Kart. Let's be do real. Do it, Nintendo. They can do it. And, I mean, if you, and the thing is, Nintendo's quite confident they will do it with Wii U in November thanks to Smash Bros. Smash Bros. Yeah. And Amiibo. Mainly Smash Bros. Here's the thing about Smash Bros. It's now the single most pre-ordered Wii U game in history. Not exactly a big claim to fame, but the past record holder was a little game called Mario Kart 8, which managed to double Wii U's sales when it came out. So Nintendo's pretty confident that between Smash Bros., Amiibo, and just the holiday boost in general, they're going to see a pretty good uptick in sales of Wii U. Of course, that's all relational and based on the context of the Wii U. Like, it's not going to do gangbusters like PS4 did, or maybe not even do what Xbox One does. But compared to how it did last holiday, it's looking like Nintendo's got a pretty good holiday. At least they should. I hope. If Smash Bros. doesn't do it, nothing will. Um, uh, Software-wise, there wasn't really any Wii U exclusive games in the top ten whatsoever. No surprise. The only game that came out in October was Bayonetta 2, after all. So that's a niche title that was never going to be a major seller. And sure enough, it was not. It sold about, according to leaked numbers, around 70,000 copies, which sounds kind of low, but is better than Bayonetta 1 did when it was poured to PS3, and significantly better than the roughly 20,000 that Wonderful 101 sold a year ago, which was Platinum Games' last uh, Wii U title. Now, I should clarify that 20,000 was first month sales, but it also came out... No, it came out in the middle of the month. Bayonetta only had a couple days in this MPD. September 15th. Yes, yes. Uh, Bayonetta 2 only had a couple days in this MPD, while Wonderful 101 was half a month. And it sold like a third of what Bayonetta sold. So there you go. So Bayonetta has a little uh, staying power by comparison. But weirdly, it's not Bayonetta's fault entirely. The top ten was dominated dominated by like big name games. Their new properties did not do well. Lesser known games did not do well. Sunset Overdrive, Xbox's, one of Xbox's big holiday games, didn't crack the top ten. Drive Club, one of uh, PlayStation's big holiday games, didn't crack the top ten. So... All things considered, Bayonetta didn't do horribly. Or those games did horribly. Take your pick. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, the one game that did crack the top ten that's related to Wii U is Skylanders Trap Team, of course. And what's interesting is Wii U was by no means the top-selling version of the game. Oddly, the Xbox 360 one was. But, it was the top-selling of the next-gen systems. 360 was the top-selling Skylanders, followed by Wii, and then Wii U. So, and if you recall, you may not, the Wii version of Skylanders comes with a free upgrade to the Wii U version. You get a free download of the Wii U version if you were to go buy a Wii U. So, you can see why Activision is still playing Skylanders on Nintendo, even if they're not playing Call of Duty or anything else. That thing generates money for them. It makes sense. I mean, and now with Amiibo, it's going to make even more sense, because it's like, this is the go-to NFC game system. Because you have Amiibo, Skylanders, Disney, all in one place. I wonder... Parents will hate it. (laughs) I wonder where Skylanders is going to go next. It kind of seems like... Like, they're not quite running out of ideas, but, like, 
it's like the scope of the figure is like, oh, first we have bigger ones, then we have some to swap out. Now yeah. they stop making. Well, they still make other. Now they figures. have enemy. Now they have the opposite thing where it's like you put them in the enemy. You have a little tiny egg thing, thing diamond crystal, yeah, but you still have new characters. But a trap, just, but they're just characters. Yeah. So um, they're running out of ideas. You see, Activision has a problem. They have an addiction, and it's called milking their ga- and it's of milking their games. It's happening at Call of Duty. Remember Guitar Hero? Wasn't that great until they released five in one year? They've been a little better about Call of Duty, but the new one, this is the first year that Activision hasn't put out a press release bragging about how well Call of Duty's done. It was, it was, every year. yeah, it's been going down. Uh, pre-orders for this one were like the lowest in like three years of a Call of Duty game. It's funny because like usually after Call of Duty game comes out, I can't stop hearing it, but I never, I didn't hear no anything one talking about, about this which, one or Ghost. Which sucks because Advanced Warfare is supposed to be pretty good and Kevin Spacey is supposed to be pretty awesome in it. Like, the story's supposed to be legitimately good this time. Like, single-player campaign is actually supposed to be good. I, I don't know. I've only read reviews. I haven't played it. But uh, but yet, not selling as well. So, so and Activision's doing it, you know, so they're doing it with Call of Duty. They're doing it with Skylanders. Happen, people stop caring about Call of Duty. Yeah, and it'll be Skylanders Because next. the name is tied to it, they don't even want to try it. Pretty much. A lot of people felt burned by ghosts. Because, uh, that sounds like a, some sort of weird mystery novel, Burned by Ghosts. Also a romance novel. You could take a weird Fifty Shades of Grey turn about halfway through. But, uh, yeah, no, a lot of people just... Got, burnt, Ghost just wasn't good, apparently. Like, a lot of diehard Call of Duty fans didn't like it for various reasons. Plot... Apparently the story was horrible, but... But anyway, back to Nintendo. So that was the Wii U. So it's it's, tru- it's trucking along. It should have a good uptick this holiday. On the 3DS side, Smash Bros. is, of course, continuing to be an unstoppable force. And it's it was the second bestseller for the month of October, only behind NBA 2K15, which was on, on like, six platforms, and Smash Bros. is only on one, so that's pretty good. It managed to sell an additional uh, 485,000 physical and digital copies in October, which means that in about five, four weeks, four and a half weeks, it has sold 1.2 million copies in the U.S. alone, making it the 10th 3DS title to pass a million. So, congrats, Smash Bros. It's, interestingly, it has already outsold, yes, it has already outsold the life-to-date sales of A Link Between Worlds. A Link Between Worlds currently sits at 1.06 million. And Smash Bros. just rocketed past it in about five weeks. To give you an idea, get ready for a number onslaught. The next game it's approaching is Animal Crossing New Leaf with 1.42 million, which it will probably hit by the end of the holidays. Smash Bros. And then, just to give you an idea of the rest of the list, Number Assault, fair warning. Number one, Mario Kart 7, has 3.62 million copies in the U.S. alone since launch. Mario 3D Land, right behind it with 3.34 million. Then it drops down. Weirdly, New Super Mario Bros. 2, which you would expect, that's all one of their evergreen tiles, one of the games that Nintendo says will always sell, is in third with 2.33 million, which is by no means not bad. But I feel like it should be higher. Like, New Super Mario Bros. on the DS was one of the top sellers. 2D Mario Sesco is just seemed like... For us, yes. But for, like, casual, more casual gamers? But I think that's the problem. Casual gamers aren't buying 3DS anymore. Because I have a... I have a cousin who was um was interested in buying a Wii, so I kind of gave her like a rundown of like what to expect, what's different from the Wii, because they have a Wii, and um and she told me like oh so what are like a few games you recommend? So I gave her a list, uh-huh. and then when I told her um like new like New Super Mario Bros. U, she was like wait didn't I play that one already? Because like, oh maybe they're trailer. getting tired of it. Because I showed her a trailer and then they're like yeah I played this one already. Like oh no it's a new one. Like oh I still have it for 3DS. So, like like it just looks the same. Yeah. Well, then that's probably why. It's too been there, done that. Yeah, I mean, to its credit, it's still the third best-selling 3DS game, yeah, I mean, in, North America, game. in the U.S., but, yeah. But, I mean, it's just not 2D side-scrolling games, especially the new series, have started to feel more like expansion packs than new games. Especially uh, the Wii U one, yeah. Yeah, like, good expansion packs, but... Expansion packs. Yeah. Yeah. So, just imagine how the Super Luigi U felt. 
<laughs> expansion pack of an expansion pack. Yeah, but uh, going back to the list, it, for those who might be curious... Actually, that one was the freshest feeling one. It was. Yeah. Because they changed it up. They had time limits. You had to speed run it, nab it. The level design was actually difficult. Yeah. It was made for people who got tired of all the other ones and wanted a challenge. <laughs> but, uh, but... Sorry. Now, po- uh, yeah. Another game that I kind of... Ex- actually, no. This one, I guess, sold about what I expected. Pokemon X and Pokemon Y. Pokemon X managed to sell 2.11 million. Pokemon Y, 2.03 million. So I guess combined. X wins. Combined, it's the number one selling game, but Nintendo views them as separate. Uh, I, I can't view them as separate games. I know. So combined, it actually has sold more than um, Mario Kart 7, the top game on the system. Further down the list is Ocarina of Time 3D, which sold 1.41 million, and Luigi's Mansion, which sold 1.36 million. So it's coming up fast on all those. I also just realized, I think the Animal Crossing number I said before, 1.42, is wrong. Because it was under Luigi's Mansion on the list. And Luigi's Mansion is still 1.36. So maybe it's 1.32 for Animal Crossing. Either way, Smash Bros. is going to pass a whole bunch of those pretty soon. On the hardware side of 3DS, I honestly have no idea how it's doing. (laughs) Nintendo didn't release... They were completely radio silent. They didn't release any numbers for hardware. Presumably because it's lower than last year. I mean, last month they talked about how um, there's a... You know, oh, we sold however many units we sold. And then people very quickly went... That's 40% lower than a year ago with Smash Bros. So I'm guessing they're not too proud of what they sold, even with Smash Bros. again this month. So um, no numbers, but between Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, which is trending very high with pre-orders, and new systems, such as the just-announced Crystal Red and Blue Translucent 2DSs, Nintendo's doing what they can to try and get those sales up. So we will see next month. And uh, yeah, this month in general I think is going to be really interesting for Nintendo. Because it's basically November 21st is essentially like an entire new console launch for them because they have so much going on. Like, you don't see this much activity from Nintendo on a single day unless it's a whole new system with, like, like 20 games at once. But, I mean, you have Smash Bros. You have the GameCube controllers. You have the GameCube adapter. You could argue those are all one thing. Fine, go ahead. But then you have 12 Amiibo. You have Pokemon, two Pokemon, new 2DSs, and within a week is Black Friday. It's a busy day for Nintendo. Like, a very busy day. So, I think we're going to see some very interesting numbers in December's MPD. And November is the second busiest sales month of the year. So, that alone is going to make for some, hopefully, high numbers. But until then, that's pretty much it for Jason Sales Corner. Straight to the point. I will say, an early tell if Nintendo does well or not is if they issue their Black Friday press release. Every year, they will put out press releases going, We sold so many systems and so many games on Black Friday weekend. Like, we sold, like, 20 million Wiis or whatever. Obviously, not 20 million. But whatever they sell. Except last year. They did not put out a press release. It was completely silent. And I was like, hmm, I wonder why. And then MPD came out two weeks later. I'm like, oh, that's why. Nothing sold. So, yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about that press release in our next episode. Otherwise, bad news for Nintendo. Bad news, bears. But yeah, so that that's it for Jason Sales Corner. And that's kind of, that covers the direct. It covers the investor meeting. It was a lot of dense amounts of information that were sent out rapid fire throughout the last two weeks. Wait, are we recording during that weekend next week? Next time? No, we, uh, we record... Recording oh, that's th- true. Recording things the Black, you're right. Black Friday numbers we won't have for two episodes. Thank you. Yes, because our episode will go up the day before the press release goes out. That is correct. And that is our, again, reminder, our third anniversary episode in terms of a cool giveaway we're doing. So keep an eye on the site. But before that, we've been playing things, we've been watching things, we've been doing things. We're going to talk about the playing and watching, though. Um, Pikmin short movies came out. This was something they talked about in the Direct. Miyamoto made, I believe, one of his very rare appearance in the Direct. And actually talked about it firsthand. And we both bought all three in HD, opposed to the 3D versions on 3DS. And, uh, I mean, you're the animation buff, Jose. What did you think of the Pikmin shorts? Besides the fact that they were 20 minutes for $5. Uh, 
they're, they're funny. They were interesting. They looked really nice. I thought. Um, I thought they did a good job with the animation they, too. They definitely did a good job, like giving personality to the Pikmin. They didn't really quite feel just like little mindless legs. I like that they were goofing off and rebelling and doing all these weird things, like that one white Pikmin without really spoiling much. Yes. Out and other ones. Yes, he got a little angry. No, 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 the other one, the one that was... Oh, the other one, right. Yeah. Yes. No, no point in giving one yes. the gags, I'm not gonna give there aren't yet. that many gags, but... Speaking of the gags, I will say, yeah, there aren't a ton of them, but they are well set up when they are there. Yeah. Like, they actually do a pretty good, like, a thorough job of... Those weren't afraid of getting... Dark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, the, the franchise has always been kind of macabre, I think that's the right term, macabre it, it, sense like of a, humor. Yeah, I, it, it, it's a really dark game when you look at it, but at the same time, it's like, they put so much, like... Uh, cuddly put a, yeah, cuteness yeah. yeah they put like a huge coat of cuteness on it that it's like oh look at all these penguins getting pikmin getting <laughs> penguins <laughs> okay penguins are getting murdered Peta would be all over it <laughs> but uh yeah it's kind of like oh the pikmin are getting killed but then like in these shorts there's one where they like literally make it look like olimar is eating pikmin and he has like what look what you would think is pikmin blood coming down his face and then you have yeah. another that's not it it's in the whole bit is you gave me this look like don't spoil anything hey, the whole you never bit know. You no never no no here's know. the thing that entire bit, up until the reveal of what actually happens, is in the trailer for the Pikmin short movies. It's a two and a half minute trailer, and they had the entire first yeah, half of the animation. People that are purists that don't even watch. The yeah, anime. well, sorry. You can go ahead and write me an angry tweet. I don't care. Unless the Euros. P- please don't. Please I, don't. I, I, uh, but no, beyond beyond that, so they have that, and then they have like some other scenes and other ones where they are literally killing Pikmin, like full on murder of Pikmin. It's dark. I mean, the series is often comic cop, but it's like, it gets dark. And then, like, I'm sitting like, oh, this is a kid's movie with, okay, there's a, there's a top of a Pikmin without the rest of him. Cool. Uh, there's a nice little Mario reference as well, although it's a little heavy-handed, but... A little too heavy-handed. It's a little too heavy-handed. I think they didn't like, a, shoved on your throat. They, they could, if they they could have literally stopped at the coins. They could have literally stopped at just the, 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 the cloud. I'm trying not to say too much. The dust cloud. They yeah. didn't need to do the... I'll, I'll be honest. They... For those who haven't seen it, there is a Mario sound effect they play that they could have done without because I think people understand. If people get it, they'll get it. The sound effect won't make them get it. Like, those who understand who Mario is will get it, and those who don't won't, and the music will not change. You know, will not change in one way or another. But but overall, I really did enjoy them. And it is kind of cool that they put the storyboards as well. Yeah, Mimo's flipboard storyboards, which basically are like they weren't, nothing. <laughs> they weren't really storyboards. They were just like... Quick here's, sketches. Here's an idea I have. Can someone make a short out of it? But see, that was on purpose, weirdly. Miyamo doesn't fancy himself a director. He considers himself more of a, uh, of a, what, saying it up for I, I thought it was going to be, like... His personal project. Yeah, yeah but, it, but, but I'm like, oh, he's actually way... Like, when I was looking at the credits, I was he's like... He's only exec producing. Yeah, like, there was, like, I thought he was going to be, like, directing or writing or doing something. Not not so much writing, Well, he but, did write it. Those story, those really crude storyboards are basically his outline of how they want to do it. And then he worked with them on the gags and stuff, but he did not go super hands-on. No, yeah, I thought, I thought yeah. he came up with all the gags, but it was just more like someone else did, and he's just like, yeah, okay. No, no, it wasn't quite that bad. I mean, there's an interview he did with the Telegraph, the UK newspaper, the Telegraph, where he talked about this a lot, and um, we'll have a, I'll put, we'll put a link well, on I'm the blog post. I'm just going by the credits. Where credit I know, I know, but I'm telling you, he talked about it, and he was saying that, like, he didn't want to direct, because his whole attitude, like, he, he doesn't view himself as a director. Like, when he's making games, he thinks that the player is the director of the experience, and he's just saying the world for them to do their directorial thing in. Like, he's the... What's the word he used? Uh, is it No, he called himself almost like a, like, discoverer or something. Like, he discovers these worlds and shapes them, and then he lets someone else come in and tell the story. So, yeah, there's story in Mario or whatnot, but the story is really what you're doing in Mario. 
more and what you're discovering in Zelda and what you're seeing here or there. He doesn't view himself as a guy that's like, okay, here's plot, here's the plot points. I mean, granted, he's kind of fluffing this up a bit because, like, obviously Zelda has a story that you're going from point A to point B and following the story, but I guess it's like the it's the destination, it's the journey, not the destination, is what Miyamoto's saying. So he didn't feel he's comfortable. Into it. I mean, I am. Mean? No, no, Miyamoto. Oh yeah, but he just didn't feel comfortable directing because he's like, I'm not a director. I don't write stories. I don't want to write stories. I will make Pikmin now be like, let's have a guideline of maybe what happens, but I want someone else who does like to have a story or tell a story come in and fill in the voids, fill in the gaps. That's his logic, at least. Take it as you will. Um, yeah, here's, here's, um, here's what I say about gaming. All I do is help them feel that by playing, they're creating something that only they could create. So I guess in the case of the Pikmin movie, he's like, oh, I want to do a Pikmin movie, I'll work with this studio to animate it, whatever, but I want them to create it based on their experience with Pikmin, and I'll just kind of be the guy that makes Pikmin a thing they can use. Makes sense. I can see that. Yeah, but it's still, in terms of like how Nintendo's been pushing it, like Miyamoto's first film, mm, yes and no. <laughs> it's kind of like the whole um, Michael Bay Ninja Turtle thing. Yeah, People where he produced and everyone thought it was like hand, more hands-on. They still do, they still say, yeah. it's like, oh, Michael Bay. Because he announced it, he said, I'm making Ninja Turtles, and he's like, and by making it, I mean, I'm throwing money at someone else to make it. Yeah. Although it has some Bayisms for sure. I feel like every movie, every modern Has movie, Bayisms? Bayisms? Just because, like, he did them the most. It's just, he, I mean, he, to be, he, he kinda, to his credit, he totally knows how to make an action movie, and knows how to make an action movie that, like, people will copy. Like, things like... A lot of stuff from Transformers is now pretty common. The original Transformers. I love that, like, low rumble, like, sound when stuff is happening. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. the, like that bassy, like, dubstep thing. Transformers did it first. Like, it's it's definitely... He definitely could be credited with some stuff. But, but yeah, I think overall, the even though the storyboards, the flipnote storyboards are kind of, like, not that deep. It was kind of cool to see. I, it, 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 it's kind of nice. Like, it's oh, a nice so perk. This, so this turned into that yeah. kind of thing. It's also kind of cool that they even threw in the low animations they do for that Japanese movie theater chain for the Pikmin. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're only like two seconds, you know, they're only like ten seconds, but people outside Japan never see those. And it's cool that Nintendo, like, has Pikmin as these characters that do different things with different companies and whatnot. I really want to see them branch off. Like, I saw this kind of like, as like, huh, I wonder what franchise they'll try to do next. See, I'd, I'd be cool with them doing more Pikmin. I wouldn't mind if they did an eShop series where it's like, I don't know. I don't think they should charge for it. I think that's a weird move. I think if they charge for it, it should be on non-Nintendo platforms. If they don't charge for it, it should be a reward for people who like bought Pikmin 3's DLC or something. Yeah. Like, if they really want to use this as a marketing thing, like we were talking about it should earlier. Be on iTunes or something. Right, it should be on iTunes, it should be on Amazon, it should be on Netflix, it should be viewable. It should be something people can engage with and watch, regardless of if they own the Nintendo console. But it is well done. I thought they were really well done. Yeah, and no, yeah, wait a minute. It was a little pricey. Though. 20 minutes for 5 bucks. A TV episode that's an hour costs 2 minutes. I mean, costs 2 minutes. costs 2 uh, bucks. But then again, this was a one-off project. They don't have, like, a machine, perpetual, you know, to constantly make these. They had to set up special things. So I guess it makes sense. And the fidelity of the videos were great. 500 Pikmin on screen. I kind of wish I had seen them in 3D, because a lot of the shots you could tell were, like, yeah. Were made for 3D. Yeah. Yeah, particularly the one with the Pikmin in the bottle. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess that's Pikmin. Um, I would say... I know a lot of people are like, oh, just watch it on YouTube. Don't do that. Can you even find them on YouTube? No. I, I looked the other day out of curiosity after I bought. But of course after I bought. I'm not a pirate. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah. It, I would say, yeah, it's a little pricey at five bucks. But it's kind of cool. And if you want to see Nintendo do branch out and do more stuff like this, it's worth the five bucks to send the message. Honestly, You're sending a message when you buy it more so than just buying honestly, it to I, watch I didn't it. really feel cheated. I didn't feel too cheated either. Yeah. But I can see how people would. Yeah. 
But so so that was one thing we downloaded and played. I kind of like how the they put them in the order from like the shortest to the longest. Oh yeah, yeah. So they kind of feel like oh they're getting longer and longer. That was super smart of them. If they did it the other way around, you'd feel ripped off. Yeah. But yeah, number one's two minutes. Number two's eight minutes. Number three's twelve minutes. So it's a smart approach. But that's not the only thing we downloaded and played. Although it's the only thing by playing we mean watching. We hit play on it and we watched it. The, the right, thing we really it. played. I'm gonna keep going. The thing no. Uh yeah. So Mario Kart Eight DLC. What are you driving at? Mario Kart Eight. Yeah, so DLC came out. Now, for those of you unaware, first, climb out from the rock you're under. Second, it was in the Nintendo Direct that we just talked about, so maybe you didn't see it. I don't know. But basically, Nintendo finally put out the first DLC pack for Mario Kart. You got eight tracks. You got three playable characters, Cat, Peach, Tanuki, Mario. Overly happy, yet also very blank-staring Link. Um... You got his he got his motorcycle, which in German I recently learned. In Germany, they caught the opponenter. Like ipo- it's so much better, so much better. I mean, master or eponator, depending well, on how you do it. Motorcycle's okay. Just kind of, it's like oh, okay, it's like an extension of the master sword. It's just like a different. There's a master weapon, I yeah. guess, or master. Yeah, thing. it's kind of a lame name, but the, the Tanuki the, cart, the Tanuki Jeep looking doohickey, yeah, even and then the cart. Yeah, yeah, but it looks like it shares on ATV. It's a cart. No, it's a cart. Oh. It's treated as a regular cart. Interesting. And then Cat Peach has... She doesn't have anything. Does no, have... You, you get the F-Zero. Right, you get the Blue Falcon. You get the Blue Falcon yeah. and the B-Dasher. Right, from DS and onward, yes. Yeah. Uh, but so... And then the tracks... Also vehicles. I... Obus and I were in the statistics menu with them, like, you're looking at the stats just to see where they fall. Right. And um, all the carts given out, except... Yeah, even including the method, they're all... Middle of the road? No, they're all the fastest they can possibly be. The Blue Falcon is actually the fastest car in the game now. Fastest in terms of top speed or acceleration or both? Top speed. Interesting. Um, it actually has slightly better acceleration too. Hmm. Um, a lot of these cars are like, they're they're just really, really good. I was kind of surprised. I thought they were just going to be like, oh, just random stats around. but nope. No, they may have good. Yeah, they're actually really good. And not only do they make the carts good, but the tracks are good too. I really like the track design. Oh, yeah. um, so yeah. there's eight total... I guess we can just run through them all. There's only eight. Uh, a lot of them are references to other Nintendo games. So first off, there's the Double Dash Yoshi Island track, which is back. And basically the same, but they kind of tweak some of the shortcuts and stuff. And by tweak, they took away. Yeah. yeah I just being nice. They did leave the one under the waterfall, but there's like the jump through the waterfall. Oh, yeah. But they got rid of the better ones, yeah. The cool um, one. Yeah, exactly. So that one was kind of a bit of a letdown, but the track looks really good in HD yeah. now. But it's just also one of like, okay, oh, I've played this already. Yeah. This is kind of how I felt. Yeah, it, had a very, it felt a little too familiar. Same thing with Warriors Goldmine, especially... Although, I will say, Warriors Goldmine's lighting is gorgeous. Well, yeah, I mean... It, it looks so good. I mean, it looks better. That's kind of how I feel about Moo Moo Metals. Like, Moo Moo Metals, like, I think looks, it looks like, really, right, really good. Right. But it's also like, a, I've never you really... played liked. it, yeah. I didn't really like this track. Didn't Warriors Goldmine, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't it used to... Okay, when you make the first turn... After the starting line, you do like the left hairpin yeah. turn. Didn't you used to have like a wall you could kind of scale up a little and I come did. back down? Yeah, because, because now it's like a lower track. Yeah, because Mario Kart, we had the the half pipes. Right. That right. You could do like tricks off of. They took that away. Right. So they had to lower it. Yeah. But but the the main shortcut in that one's still yeah, there. The, which is and nice. it's funny because like, also the first time I tried it, I was avoiding the minecarts because before those would hit you. And, and now they're helpful. Yeah. Yeah, because you're an anti grab in the entire indoor yeah. part. But I mean, like. The remakes, are, I mean, they're fine. Like this, the they're, Super they're, Nintendo Rainbow Road that one is a little, nice. it's a little boring, but it's kind of nice that they added the the bouncy, like when the swamps come they down really in the stage. Bou- they really bounce. Yeah, I mean, it's they, like you're on a trampoline. 
Yeah, but that one I... Uh, I do like the setting. I, I think the nighttime the one, glow looks really cool. I think cool. that's the one I was the most tired of, just because we had just played it on Mario Kart 7 on the 3DS. Yeah. It's the first time they remake a track that they just remade. Well, they have to. DLC, they're running out of new tracks. They're running they, out of uh, old tracks, I mean. They still have enough tracks to... Do they? I think they're trying to get as many Rainbow Roads in one game as possible. So they got three down. They have like six more to go. I mean, at this point, them. I feel like they should just just pick and choose, like, I guess, the best tracks, yeah. whether they remade them or not. Yeah. But where things get more interesting is in the new, the five new ones. Five? Four. Five. Some amount. Did I do that math right? Six. No, four. Yeah. However many new ones. So, what, oh, it is five. It is five. Yeah. So, um, first, of course, are the Nintendo referencing ones, which are, like, top-tier awesome. Uh, well, let me rephrase. The fact that they have all the Nintendo references are, like, top-tier awesome. So, there's Excite Bike, which is basically a giant oval, but it does, every time you play it, the ramps and the jumps and the mud puddles are different, which is nice. It's how it should be, because that's how Excite Bike is. And that one's just... It feels like a stretched-out baby park. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, um, I like it, because I'm a big... I like the Excite franchise, like Excite Bots and whatnot. I would have loved to see it do the dynamic ch- jumps, like in Excite Bots, but I knew that was never going to happen. I don't know. I, I think I'm indifferent about that stage. I was kind of... It's just so simple-looking. It is. Well, it's that, a throwback. It has that, to be. that it's kind of like, like oh, okay, I, I could give it credit for being a throwback but it's like just being a throwback excuse it for it being such a simple boring fine track. I'm blinded by nostalgia where you it's like it's just it. so simple and like it's I don't know it's not exciting to me it's just it's in the name though excite to... well it doesn't really so it's more like it. boring bike to yeah, you it's more like boring bike alright uh, well much. okay what do you think of the uh, Hyrule Castle that's a little more has more to it they replace all coins with rupees there's Zelda sound effects there's even a jump you can unlock know, by like, hitting well, three like, diamonds like, straight know, out of uh, like I know I'm being hard on the excite track I mean like they did. It's like a fully realized excite bike, which is fine. But right. I guess a fully realized excite bike isn't that exciting because it's because it's an NES game. <laughs> That's know, why because yeah. it's so simple. But what do you think of Hyrule Castle? No, it's fine. I guess you like that one. Mm-hmm. I see. I really like. Well, I mean, it's super gimmicky. But the fact that you like, if you hit the three little diamond things, oh, yeah, 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 I thought that was cool. Like, That's a clever reference to Phantom Hourglass. Because those are the three things well, that you used to use. The, no, in terms of, like how you do a path into them, because you did the boomerang and you have to drop. That's path like every Zelda game, like. Oh, that's Ocarina true. of Time. Yeah, every Zelda game has No, no, that. no, but it's not always... Oh, I guess it is. Well, no, you have to throw the boomerang one by one. No, so you... the reason it reminded me of Phantom Hourglass is because you would draw a path for boomerang and hit him all in one go. Just like you have to drive through him all in one go. It's a really random reference in my head, but it made sense I mean, in my head. I I just thought of, like, okay, every Zelda game has, like, usually has, like, three crystals just like that around sure. the room that you have to shoot. Fair, fair. And, and you have to activate them all at the same time. I don't know why I thought it. Yeah, you're right. I don't, I, Phantom Hourglass just is the well, one. No, well, I mean, mind. yours makes sense because, like, yeah. that's the, the, the one set pack. Yeah, that's yeah. the one where you have to do them, like, back to back to yeah. back. Yeah. But, but it is a nice touch in, yeah. like, but all It's the... funny, like, that one, I thought it was cool, but. It reminds me of the Donkey Kong. I don't know why, Kong... I don't know why I'm being, like, so. Down and out? So down on these. It's just because, um,. It was cool looking. Like the references were cool. I thought like they even have guards I, I th- cheering with the, the toads. I thought the details were cool, but um, I don't. Know, I, I guess um, it's still kind of felt generic. You know, it felt a lot like it was trying to be the Zelda version of the Donkey Kong Banana Temple stage thing. Same idea. You're driving like, outside and you go into this big building, and then there's a like thing a, in the middle, and you jump over it, and like you go Lu- back out or again. Or like the Luigi's Mansion one, you just kind of like drive yeah. inside the house for a little bit, yeah. leave, go out. The only reason I keep thinking of the Donkey Kong one is because just like Donkey Kong, you start low, you work your way up into the castle, and then you go off a jump at the other end of the castle and come back down yeah, to the Yeah, the Donkey Kong one... It's very similar to the Donkey Kong Yeah, like, they're both just like, very simple. Did you notice when you pick items, it even does a different sound effect? Oh, yeah. I thought, like, those oh, little touches no, yeah, are yeah, very yeah, nice. The, the, all the touches are really, really cool. And, like, and the track, like, there's nothing really wrong with it. I guess I'm just, um... Well, that leads... It, yeah. 
I don't know, I guess just like with all the stuff they have in, like even the Zero track. Like, oh, that's what I'm about to bring up. What do you think of Mute City? Like, that one was probably my favorite one just because of how cool it looks, but still it's like... It is pretty simple. Yeah, it's, it's just with a lot of boosts everywhere. It's like you think with like the anti-gravity, like even especially with F-Zero, like I'm surprised I still haven't seen any um, driving around like c- cylinders. Just they drive- did half of it. That's There's like, one part where you're like, like on half a cylinder. It's, it's like they just don't commit to like doing the whole cylinder or doing the My whole inside of the tunnel. My suspicion is they didn't want that. That does the game know how to handle that? Is the engine from Mario Kart able to do 360 like that? I don't see why it couldn't. Because if you think about it, every time they do the anti grav, you're going between platforms. Like it, like the camera doesn't have to spin. It's like you land on anti grav, you enter an anti grav. Whatever it is, the no, camera no, doesn't no, move. No, good point. Except the one exception being Bowser's. Um, Bowser's, not Bowser's Castle. Uh, the one where you're flying through the side, the, the vine and the clouds and this. Cloud yes, cloud top. That's one exception because it flips upside down, so you kind of spin with it. But that's in the air and it's like a pre-rendered spin. There isn't one where you're, the whole camera's spinning with you 360 degrees ever, or even 90 Good degrees. Good point. But then it's like the GameCube could do it. When did the GameCube do it? F Zero GS. No, no, no. I mean the game engine, not the system. Oh. engine. the game might not be coded to do camera motions like that, well, so they had to work around that. I know, but that's they like, can't change the whole camera. But that's like, if it wasn't coded to do that, like, why wasn't it then if they're going to do anti-gravity? Cause when I think, yeah, that's no Because when, when I think anti-gravity, I think like F-Zero GX, they went all out with the, yeah. with attractive thing. Like, they they knew they didn't have to work, worry about gravity, so they went all they out. They went crazy. And it was Mario awesome Kart, it was like, they had, yeah, we have anti-gravity, but they were afraid to go all out with it. It's like they kept they it They wanted as, to play it safe, yeah. They played it really, really that's safe. Just, that's just how I feel. I feel like every track just played it really safe. Which is interesting because like the, the game's super fun, but yeah, in some ways it is a pretty. No, yeah, safe like like game. like I love the game to death, but it's just e- everything safe. is just like, like oh, they didn't yeah. quite reach the potential. I will say the having Captain Falcon show me your moves billboard is a very nice yeah. touch at the end of the track. Like like the track, I thought like that. Um, it felt like it was going a lot with the dragon one, dragon driftway. The dragon one and the ice ice road one, both to me were actually the more interesting. No, yeah, bunch. yeah, those were I, I really like. The those. dragon one's cool because that's almost what you're describing, where it's twisting and turning. Turning, you're basically the dragon's body is your track, and you're yeah, going like, upside like, down over here, over there. You see the other side of the track above you as you're going under it, which F Zero does a little as well. There is mm-hmm. one portion of F Zero where you're doing like I think it's like a right turn, and above you you can see the first part of the track going the other way upside. Oh down, yeah, like, with like, racers on it. So there's hints of that, but yeah, like yeah. like there were very yeah there were like there were a lot of tracks in my credit in general that made me go like whoa this track is cool, but there were a lot of them where like uh like where I finished the race and I'm like oh it could have been cooler right right I will I think honestly of the bunch the ice ice road or whatever it's called uh huh I might I might like that one best it reminded me a lot of like old Hot Wheel tracks where you could have like the that, two that, different that's actually and then you can really good yeah and then you could actually... swing back and forth between the two tracks. And best of all, there are toads cheering you on, but because you're in the Arctic, they're wearing little winter jackets, little fuzzy winter jackets. Did you notice that along the side? I was like, oh my god! (laughs) I gotta say also that, um, overall though, like, the track selection, like, they're, I like that they were more on the, on the difficult side. Yes. Of, like, track map. There's a lot of, like, sharp turns and stuff. Yeah, like, Specifically F-Zero. Yeah, I I really like that. Like, the Dragon Driftway one, like, you're definitely drifting the whole time, essentially. Yes. Yeah, I think with the ice one, the ice one is pretty tricky. The ice one's super tricky because if you don't drift just right, you will hit the wall because the track's very narrow. Especially if you want to take the shortcuts. I haven't even found all the shortcuts yet. I found like one or two, but I think there's more. I keep seeing things and be like, I should try that next time. I see them, but I I never do the turn right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think think overall, even if the tracks are like playing it safe a bit, it is cool that they're referencing other tracks. Yeah, what they have is cool. Like, I mean, I do enjoy the Excite Bike theme. And it is like, I have fun playing it. It's just more like. Yeah. 
Yeah. You have fun playing it, but you're kind of going like, why didn't they do more with this? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's basically it. I will say, Mute City's music is pretty it's awesome. Like I'm, like, I'm satisfied with the package. Right. I mean, it's only, if you buy it by itself, it's 12 bucks. But if I'm asked to it nitpick in, it, then obviously... Right, right. The nice thing is, like, if you buy it by itself, it's 12 bucks, which is reasonable. But then if you buy it with Pack 2, which comes in May, like, I think both of us probably did. Yeah. It's only, like, 8 bucks. And that much stuff for 8 bucks. You're paying a buck per track and getting three characters and four carts. Yeah. It's a really good deal. It's a super... That's how all DLC... Video game industry, take note, that is how you do DLC. Right there. You don't rip people off. You don't do microtransactions. You don't do what Assassin's Creed Unity is doing, where if you want to use the companion app, you have to pay for the privilege of using the companion app for a game you already spent $60 on. Yikes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would definitely recommend... I was going to say the music of Mute City is really good. It's like a jazzy F-Zero. Have you seen the videos? I have, the, with yeah. the dueling saxophonists and guitarists. Not really cool. dueling, but they're, they keep coming back and forth. But yeah, it's and the thing about the F-Zero one is like, yeah, it doesn't have the spins... But, you know, I wonder if that's why they used the old F-Zero logo on the track. Did you notice the logo above the starting line was the original Super Nintendo F-Zero, not GX's, like, modernized F-Zero logo? I yeah. suspect... Well, well, I mean, I figured, I, just, I figured they wanted to distance themselves from that one. Cause well, they don't care. It's still F-Zero to them. Oh, yeah, but didn't, like... Or, or it, fine. It sounded like some, some of the Nintendo people weren't very happy Miyamoto didn't really like it. Fine. Fair example. Um, they didn't use the F-Zero. They didn't the use one. the GP Legend logo. They didn't use any of, any of the more modern F-Zeros. They used the original... Which makes me think maybe, maybe the track wasn't supposed to reference the cylindrical spinning and it was more about referencing just the general zigs and zags of the old Yeah, because I mean, it, it did feel Cause like it does that. Zero, it it feels feel like an F-Zero track. Just not GXF0, which is the one that's the best in yeah. the series. Because I figured, like, oh, it's on the Wii. I just want it to go as crazy as possible. Yeah. But. Well, maybe Fast Racing League from uh, Shinin, you know, the indie developer. That for is kind of Wii U and that graphically looks pretty cool. So maybe that will f- take care of your F-Zero fix that you need. I will say, playing Mute City in Mario Kart really makes... It's like a cruel reminder that we haven't had a good F-Zero game. Or any F-Zero game in years. Yeah, and Nintendo Land did it, now it's doing it. Like, just give us F-Zero. Yeah, the closest thing we could get to an F-Zero GX on the Wii U would be the... The bra port of the F-Zero GX track on Smash Brothers. Wait, what? The, oh, right, gotcha, yeah, the, gotcha. The, port the, the stage, drive. the stage. I thought I meant the Masterpiece yeah. demo. I know, it's only like, I know it's like even, even more nitpicky. But it's only because I love, like, Everthrow GX that much. Yeah, it's such a good um, game. When that stage was in Brawl, um, it had all these remixes of Mute City or whatever. Right, all, right. All the, all, the, all the general suspects of yeah, yeah. what did you would expect. But the one song it didn't have was the one that actually plays when you're playing that level in Everthrow GX. And knowing you, that haunted you forever. It did. Huh? It's like, like, how could they miss such a, like... Because it probably wasn't as iconic of a song. It wasn't. I, I, don't know, I was, mean, for you it was because you loved the game to death. But that was like my favorite. That was like my favorite track of like all of them. And then oh, and then um, and then like with all their like oh, these are all this like the Wii U version of Smash has all these songs. And then I saw like through the little track list and it's still not right. there. So it's like, you know what? We should rename this episode. I know we said back to uh, back on track, but honestly, this episode should just be F Zero. Where are you? <laughs> like seriously, you know what? We need one better. We need to do a whole episode, a whole two hour episode dedicated just to the greatness of F Zero GX. It's by far one of the best games you get. Best games of that generation. You need to figure whole. out how to do a bit, bit on it. Yeah, you need to figure out a capture card for that. So stay tuned for that, folks. We're gonna one day have we'll a GX bit, bit. We'll make it happen. Or we'll just do twenty minutes of the F Zero track in Mario Kart Eight. Yeah, I'd just be like, look at this. Look how slow it is. Look how not spinning it is. But no, honestly, the, the, the DLC for Mario Kart is pretty good, especially for the price. I would definitely recommend, if you like Mario Kart and you want more Mario Kart, even if the tracks may be like playing fun, it a little safe. If you like 
<laughs> if you enjoy entertainment, if you like to, if you're staring at a wall, and if going, you're a human and yeah, have feelings. If you're staring at a wall, going, I could be doing something better with my time. You're right. You could be playing the DLC of Mario Kart Eight. That should be on the back of the on the eShop as a quote or whatever. On the back of the eShop, on the eShop as a quote, just like if you're staring at a wall, stop, buy this, live, live. Play you haven't lived until you play Mario Kart 8's DLC. And on that note. I think that does it for this episode of Antel Podcast. Um, as I've been mentioning a few times throughout this episode, don't miss our next episode on November 30th because we are doing a cool giveaway that you will want to partake in because you get free stuff. Of what is that decent... stuff? Do we even know? Oh, we know. I'm just not saying it yet. Yeah, you can't. You can't see if you tease it. If you tease it, then they will come back to find out. If you just tell them up front, they'll be like, "That's not as cool as you made it sound." The moment we like. Cut the broadcast. Um, I will tell you. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, the reason I haven't told you is because it's kind of in my pocket, so I'm not gonna like I'm not making like I'm putting it. So I figured you whatever. I will tell you, it's not that exciting. But it, <laughs> Jose, I'll be honest with you, it's not that exciting. Listeners, I'll be honest with you, it's the most exciting thing ever. Believe which one you want. Uh, <laughs> so our next episode's up on November 30th. With that, along of course with Amiibo and Smash Bros. impressions, we're gonna have the game for a week. We're gonna be playing it like mad over uh, Thanksgiving, and we're gonna have a lot to say about it. I'm sure. So stay tuned for that. We're, of course, going to cover whatever news broke between now and then. In the meantime, keep an eye on RoundNintendo.com itself, because we have a vidbit going up in the next few days celebrating what was the greatest Smash Bros. brawl. And we'll... Sorry, Melee fans. I don't mean to offend. What could, in some people's minds, be the greatest Smash Bros. brawl, and how we're now retiring it for the Wii U version. So check out that vidbit when it goes up later this week. Easiest way to make sure you don't miss it. Follow us on Twitter at RoundNintendo. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You know what? As we approach our third anniversary, do us a favor if you like the show. Go over to iTunes. Go to our iTunes page. We have a link on the uh, blog post. And just leave a review. Put some stars on us. Throw some stars at us. Uh, ideally five, but we'll take four. Three, not... Eh, one, two, three, we're a little less than keen on, but four or five, go for it. We, If you have anything positive to say, head over there. If you have any ne- anything negative to say, just keep it to yourself. Um, no, seriously, we appreciate any and all feedback, good or bad. Be it on the iTunes page, a comment in our blog post or something that we could say whatever. We can improve if we, we don't can. know what we should improve. Yes, we have the ability to improve, but we need you to tell us how. So as we approach three years, now's the right time to do it, you know? So definitely know, do that. If you've been doing something wrong for three years, I don't want to say anything. Then, then boy, you guys are jerks. Just, you guys <laughs> are the worst. But no, uh, you can also follow us individually to see us geek out over Smash Bros. on Twitter and Meverse. I'm JSR. And I'll prepare for a wave of pictures of Amiibo. Non-stop. Non-stop line, pictures. So. Non-stop. There's got to be one tweet per Amiibo, and then about 70 tweets of different configurations of two and three Amiibos doing different things, if yeah. I had to guess. But yeah, you could find... I'm not going to be doing... Like, like, I will, I'm, like I'm going to have my Samus... Figma figure interacting with the Samus Amiibo. And it's gonna be like it's gonna be an Austin Powers scene because it's Mini Me and Doctor Evil, except they're girls and they're Samuses, and none of that made sense. But no, you could follow. Okay, we'll start with you then to see all his p- picture bonanza. Follow him on Twitter, Wero W E I R underscore O. You can also follow me on Meverse, where presumably he'll maybe possibly post screenshots. I don't know. Talk about his game. If you want to see less Amiibo photos, uh, but also still get. Smash Bros. Overload. You can follow me on Twitter at JSR7. Find me on Meverse at JasonR. Feel free to friend or, friend or follow either of us on Meverse. We always love to have you guys on our online friends list. And I think that pretty much does it. So thanks for listening as always. Definitely tune in next episode. And if you're picking up Smash on launch day, have an awesome time with it. <laughs>